I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. Do you understand? Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Like The Stands. You are here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell. And it is a recording without Chope today, but you've got Nick and I today talking about the latest news, talking about everything that's been going on this week that exactly. has kind of been at the forefront of the news. Um, Nick, I'm not going to ask you how you are because I feel like that's a very played out type of question. I'm going <laughs> to ask you, what was your kind of goal for this week and like what was different in this week? Oh my gosh, what a week to ask me that. Um, my goal with, for the week was just getting through it because, listen, from Monday, I had a plan. I had a few pieces to get done, balancing the full-time job. And then I had a goal of just, you know, going to membership club after work, getting it done. Um, and that was me, just a peaceful week, regular, like, you know how it goes. But then I had... Um, paper magazine reach out and what they were like we saw your tweets about the vmas would you like to write about it do you have an angle about like what you saw with the weekend and if you guys don't know the weekend basically won best r&b visual for a pop song a synth pop song which was made like to as an ode to the 80s which was dominated with synth wave synth pop etc anyway i digress they reached out i've been wanting to write for paper for ages um so I took the opportunity knowing that I had other pieces to get done. And then someone on Tuesday DM'd me and said, who worked with me when I was at Hypebeast and stuff and said, hey, I've put your name forward for The Face, which is another publication, British born, dominated throughout the 80s, I believe. Really great publication. And we're like, we've got an opportunity with Heady One. Do you want to take it on and I was like I was really my mind instantly said no but then I was like I've really wanted to get on the face as well for ages and it sounds like a simple project so I waited for the editor to reach out and he basically spelled out what I needed to do and it felt it met it did it didn't feel like an open brief where I had to like be creative as well as get the information. So I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do this. It's like a, it's an easy word limit. It's an easy project. It's simple. And I want to get better of my interviewing. And if you don't know guys, Heady One is hard to, not hard to interview, but in terms of he, you have to like really know him to get through to him, if that makes sense. So I really wanted to test my interviewing skills with him, which it turned out to be cool. Um, but yeah, taking on those two projects juxtaposed with the working week that I had, juxtaposed with the other projects that was already like on the burner, it was a stressful week to say the least. I don't know how I got through it. I don't know how both pieces are published. Don't ask me. Just know that <laughs> I went to bed at four o'clock twice this week. And Boy. while starting the job at nine, I don't recommend this to anyone who's up and coming, who's writing and stuff. I really don't. Never doing it again like that. But um, I got through this week. And that's that's what the goal was. The goal was to get through this week, and that's I good. did it. Um, and I rested this morning before recording, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of how I am, just for consistency, um, I'm good. I'm still recovering. I'm gonna get back into bed after this, most probably. Um, but 
yeah, I'm in a good mood. I'm proud of myself this week. But again, I do not recommend or endorse working yourself to the <laughs> brim like this. It's not, especially during a pandemic, it's just not, it's not, it's not, it's not your productive mental. mentally. And yeah. I don't want to be working like a mule like this because it takes the joy out of it. It didn't take the joy out of these two projects, but on in terms of long term, if you do that, you're just going to be out of breath, not calm, stressed, anxious, all of those all of those kind of things so i would recommend not doing that and pacing yourself but yes eden what was your goals for this week did you reach them um and i am going to ask you the cat the the how are you question because how are you (laughs) um so before we go to that i feel like you're not kind of giving yourself enough credit like that you literally i deactivated my twitter yeah that's something i'm gonna come on to later on but i've deactivated <laughs> my twitter and i just literally go on dats now and every single time i've logged on it's like i'm seeing a post from nick saying oh i've just interviewed this person for this magazine <laughs> and they're not like no disrespect to like up and coming magazines but they're not small boy magazines they're not like the magazine you can just write for and they don't pay you or actually i don't know the behind the scenes let's not get uh, into that but <laughs> we'll, but like we'll do an episode on that but <laughs> But like it's 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 big magazines like Paper Magazine, The Face Magazine, um, and it's just adding to the list of kind of publications that your name's been like attached to, and I think that's amazing. Um, like you said, I can understand the whole um, work-life balance stuff and making sure that you yeah. kind of get in um, at the right hours at the time that work for you. But I think it's important we do celebrate like as a team, as like dads, but also like as friends and everything, just yeah. to say it's incredible what you've done and what you're doing. People are recognizing your talents. And the reason I asked about your goals for the week is because I wanted to kind of, cause I know how you work. I know it wasn't necessarily planned. It like, wasn't like a hundred percent. This wasn't yes. like some, like nowadays it's weird. Publications are like saying, Oh, do you want to write about this? Cause of tweets. And I'm like, Oh, can I even tweet yeah. about this now? Because it's, it's, it's crazy. But yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, that's on. why I think your answer to, um, how was your week was quite ambiguous because you were like just trying to get through the week because it's quite, yeah. it's like, for example, you're getting through the week, but then you're throwing curveballs and you have to decide if you want to take that up. You've got yeah. to think about your mental health and yeah. all the above. So yeah, I find that like, I find that very inspirational, man. And I think it's important that we borrow the energy from our friends sometimes and just say like, I see you doing great things. And as I try to figure out what I want to do in my area, the energy I get from you is very important. So thank you. Um, it's i think it's amazing what you're doing man i just want to like give you a virtual congratulations and say <laughs> you're doing amazing man honestly you're doing thank incredible you. and no, thank you like i know shop isn't here but i know he'll be proud of you too yeah um but in terms of me like my week is obviously very different to most people because you know my situation with the covid thing and everything and quarantining yeah. um i've said that about a thousand times i'm not gonna say it again but <laughs> literally my week was very different so you know we had the bank holiday yeah. um on monday and i went to a virtual cinema not virtual cinema drive-in cinema and it was the first time that i actually left my house and went further than outside of my area like and i know that sounds crazy to some people because it's been like five or six months um since the lockdown but driving into london like that was wild to me like i can't imagine it it, it, it actually blew my mind because 
I was just seeing things in a completely different way when I drove in. Um, as m most people won't know this, but I was actually born in Northwest London, well, North London, um, and grew up in Tottenham, grew up in um, Barnet, and then I moved outside of London. So I live outside of London now. And whenever I go into London, it's usually for work or it's like to record the podcast or it's to see friends or family, et cetera, et cetera. But driving into London now for an activity, yeah, just to go to the cinema, and I'm in one car and I've got friends in another car and we can't be near each other, but we can watch a movie to each other is insane. It is, it, it blew my mind completely. Mm. Um, and the fact that all of these technologies are coming into place for like social distancing and stuff like that. And we're going to talk about that later on with yeah. like a few technologies that are coming out and stuff like that. But in terms of my goal for the week, it's always just to be self-aware and kind of improve myself as an individual. Um, I've been doing a lot of like soul work and intention work and just making sure that I'm accountable for my actions and really understand what I want to do before I do it um, mm. and basically move with more intention. Mm. And that's been my goal for a while now, which is why I've been doing the therapy. I've been doing the reading, like reading a lot of like spiritual texts and stuff like that, um, because I think it's important to have a spiritual connection in some sort like yeah um my i know it's gonna shock nick but my relationship with like the idea of religion has changed from being in this room by myself wow. like there are there are some aspects of religion that although i don't necessarily believe in them to the text yeah i understand the premise and the idea behind some of them mm. um and that is like that work is nuts for me um and i think we're all like on a journey right now like obviously um some of us professionally some of us spiritually some of us in different areas and like we, we've just spoken about nick for example like nick man you're doing incredible like like i said you're doing incredible shop a so with his PR stuff, Shop Shoppe is doing his thing. Let me just say, let me just say, I'm so annoyed because Heady One, um, Shoppe has done some work with him, right, in terms of the PR stuff. And it's just a shame that it was on his week off that it aligned with me. And I was speaking to his colleague this week to make it work with Heady. And it's just like, damn, if it was a couple of days after or before, you know, me and Shoppe would have worked together again professionally. But we will be working together again soon, later this month. So I love whenever I work with friends professionally. So shout out to Shoppe has done. Shoppe has got heady cover stories this year. Okay, let me just, we have to big him up. Like Shoppe is doing huge work, like Notting Hill Carnival. He did some of the work behind that. Um, nuts. Like I can't, I can't speak to what Shoppe is doing right now. He's he is a game changer in this UK music industry and he doesn't even, he doesn't even embrace it, but he is like, he really yeah. is. He's a mover and shaker, honestly. Yep. No, that's definitely how I describe him. Um, but going on the theme of like professional work and everything, like for someone who doesn't really know what they want to do in their life, I'm not even attributing that to me because I think I, I definitely know what I want to do and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. For you as an individual, why do you do what you do? Why are you a writer? Um, I, gosh, okay, I am a writer because I love music, like in terms of music and culture. I think anyone who listens to this, listens to this podcast um, religiously or frequently will know that that tickles my fancy, like music and how culture advances, how it is advancing right now, like all this stuff. I think me and Eden share in common, like the te technological advancements because of COVID in mm. the music industry is so, which we'll get onto later with one of our news topics, super important what's going on right now. Um, and 
as things emerge culturally, I just want to, I have opinions and like people who follow me on Twitter and stuff know that I love to talk and that, and I love to write, like in terms of that's writing, I'm writing small snippets, like Twitter's a micro blogging site. I'm using that as a sort of a sounding board. And then I'm like, let me expand on that idea further and then I'll pitch it in or let me interview that artist about this specific topic in the context of a larger like body of work or like what they've done so far and stuff like that. So I write because it gives me the platform to express my thoughts about music and prove either why or why not. Or if I'm indifferent, just throw that around um, on on paper or on web platforms as well. Um, and I love speaking about it too. So obviously there's the podcast, there's other stuff as well. There's other platforms I've spoken about music um, and, and or culture on before as well. I just, I love to help move the needle forward and help add to the conversation as well and just give my thoughts as well um and learn ultimately learn one thing i want people to get from my work as well is that i'm not an expert as i'm writing these things up i'm learning as well there's so many nuances and stuff like that that i'm like oh this happened that happened like the other day there was a whole vintage spread about Little Kim and Foxy Brown and how they were, I knew they were friends, but I, I just didn't know how tight they were. And I read the whole mm. interview and I was like, Little Kim got Foxy Brown signed. Like that is how deep their friendship were. And like now you would not even imagine them in the same room. And it's like, mm. there's so much to learn as you go on. So I don't want to ever come across as like, I'm an expert and this is what I'm saying and, and a critic and coming through it through this lens and stuff like that. Yes, I'm emerging and like building my knowledge and stuff like that. But I always want, I'm a student, I'm a student, you know, music is yeah. so expansive. So that is why I write to give my, mm. give my thoughts a sounding board and a place to just exist in the world and in the internet space, wherever it is. Um, and I, as I go on, as Eden said, being intentional and stuff, I pigeonhole what I'm doing, like in terms of I'm like, um, oh, actually, I, I want to focus a bit more on this. I want to focus more on women in rap. I want to focus more on um, alternative hip hop in the UK. I want to focus more on um, Afro Afro pop and what's going on in that space as well. There's, there's different nuances that I get into as I evolve too. Um, and again, this is a journey. As Eden said, I'll echo that sentiment and everything evolves so even what i want to do is evolving even where i want to be in five ten years is evolving and and as eden said the curveball analogy is perfect because navigating the minefield that is the music business even man uh navigating having a music podcast you know is mm -hmm. a journey and curveballs are you know curveballs are given to us all the time um so where we end up is just completely transitional and it just depends on you know what happens and i'd just say with each opportunity just that's where the intention comes in does your mm. soul feel with it like even say he's doing the soul work does your gut like i'm learning a lot as i i reach my 25th birthday to literally trust my gut my gut yeah. is so important now it's becoming so important and i know when i'm gonna say yes or no to something we can play all the games like in our head like which is still so important because it can change. Sometimes you, your gut is wrong on the odd occasion, but most times I know. Like in my gut, I'm like, I know. It's just about making sure my mind can align with that and make the steps to make my gut's reality happen in action. So say if yeah. I want to do this piece or whatever, it's about making sure 
okay, you have to push some things to the side. Some clients will have to wait till next week. Um, work, you're going to have to maybe reduce hours for one of the days and all, all that kind of stuff. So your gut is so important. But what I would say mm-hmm. is, to, I'm, I've gone on a tangent. To answer your question is to give my place, my thoughts a place to yeah. exist. You know, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think some of the things I've taken away from what you've said is essentially humbleness like you've just got to be humble with the process and just make sure yeah. that you know you don't know everything because i think like we approach things sometimes with research thinking that because we've done the research we, we there's no gaps there's nothing we don't know <laughs> yeah. but there are some things that are missing from the internet like i think people overlook the fact that yes all the information is out there but the reason all of these companies are trying to mine our data hello um google nest is because <laughs> that was so funny this week oh my yeah gosh. but but literally it's because the internet doesn't have everything yeah and there yeah. are things that are spoken about behind the scenes away from the cameras and the microphones that we don't know about and we just assume because the information says so mm. um but yeah like i kind of want to talk about um when you talk about what did you say you said something about intention and yeah. kind of like the energy of your writing yeah um i want to talk about joe budden very quickly oh like in, in what in what context because there's a lot of context he's been in the news for this week <laughs> i want to so i'm not going to disregard what's been going on in terms of the the news and um kind of the the relationship stuff that's yeah. going on but yeah. i think there's a very important conversation to be had about ownership Mm, and okay. in terms of the podcast industry and two people or three people sorry Shape, um who run a music podcast and have been in kind of like news outlets and yeah and there's been conversation about our podcast and stuff and we've even been in like record company rooms talking about the mm-hmm. future of the podcast we and have. stuff like that before um which we don't really speak about and i think maybe we should speak about that someday but um for sure what what did you think as a podcaster about what Joe Biden was saying. Actually, not just as a podcaster, as a creator. Yeah. What did you feel and what did you think? I, so basically last week, because there's been two episodes, I would say a key to listen to. And I'd say mm. that is last Wednesday's episode and last Saturday's episode. Because yeah. last Wednesday's episode was the catalyst to everything, which was the catalyst to the Breakfast Club, was the catalyst to people on Twitter, was the catalyst to articles, was the catalyst to everything imploding um, and kind of exploding and imploding at the same time um because what i would say is that the the industry reacted right and and what they reacted to is joe budden dissecting for at least an hour and a half um on his podcast episode he dedicated that from i believe around 60 minutes um it's in the bio for that episode i'm joe budden podcast by the way on spotify for now um and yeah he dissected his whole relationship two years with spotify um we two years ago can't even believe it's been that long time goes so Mm -hmm. fast but um we looked on with all these podcasts including some of the uk podcasts which we don't know about they haven't spoken about but the time Spotify started signing US and or other regions to their podcast um, hub, we thought this was great. We were like, this yeah. is amazing. And so, and so did, I believe, I think the Joe Bunnan team at the start, the very start, thought it was a great relationship, right? And um, over the two years, what we realised is the, um, the the hosts, you know, Rory, Mal, Joe and, and Back of House team were not paid their worth mm-hmm. at all. They weren't given holiday time. Um, they reached the top of the podcast charts on Spotify. Number one. Number one. 
two years consistency like amongst all of the big names that they tried to get in amy schumer's all sorts tried to get in didn't work and they dominated on that platform you know because they brought their audiences with them and we engaged you know or they or they engaged at the time and yeah it just it kind of the ownership part wasn't there the data part wasn't there we we speak about data a lot it's in terms of they were not giving them the correct data that joe was requesting he wanted to know how the sole reason he says or one of the main reasons was to one make his team eat and two get understand how his audience move right because mm. he admitted lack of knowledge were not all experts his area was how do his audience interact and he wanted and to also know that. like as as podcasters the analytics is very they're king. very important they are king for youtubers for, for all of these platforms analytics is king because you need to know is this content working? What time, even what time of day to post? Even what yeah. day to post on? Do we need to change organizational schedules? It And it all might sound, you know, disingenuous or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's a product. You want to make yeah. the product have the best chance of success, the best chance of listenership. And that is what Joe exactly was doing with his podcast, which was already successful on SoundCloud. He wanted to make it even better by moving to Spotify, okay? Mm. So I'm um, solely Spotify, by the way. So yes, they didn't give him holiday time. They didn't give him. Um, they did. His dad was. His dad was on like heading towards his deathbed. Like, thank God he's still here. But um, he had coronavirus and like he thought he was the end. He was talking about wills. He was talking about this. He was talking about that. Obviously, because of coronavirus, Spotify said, you know, time. Well, Joe said, I'm not coming back, and they un they conceded. They they allowed it to happen, and then after a couple of weeks or so, they were like, when's the podcast back? And it's like my dad is dying like why like the the moral compass was just not there um and the three of them wanted christmas time or christmas time christmas time right the end of the year christmas time off they said this was the last christmas 2019 they were like no they got they were asked um if they wanted present for being the number one podcast for two years um they asked for a vacation declined in greece um and then they asked for watches humble you know for rich people humble prices mm -hmm. they they were told no so it's like we're getting the money you know i mean we get sorry we're getting the interaction we're getting the streams right um but fundamentally the value of those streams um isn't isn't being seen to me and on what joe kind of uh fixated around was the worth of a stream right because he's been in the music business he knows the streaming he's seen the evolution of streaming in music before podcasting took off right so he's but like Go just on. just before you get there there's something important that you said because i think we as a pod as a music podcast we need to like relate it to music as well at the same yeah, time for sure, for sure and the element of when he said um, there's a certain amount of numbers that equal one so like one sale for a song. And then when he said, says who, that is important. Yeah. That yeah. is very, very important because we need to know who is setting the rules and at the same time, why we just blindly follow them sometimes. I know there's like, and mm. I don't say blindly meaning every single artist because I have seen tweets and Instagram posts and all of the above yeah. from like artists saying, how can we only receive like ten thousand pounds for like what five million plays or something like that when I know how much that's making of the label? 
Um, and I think we're in the yeah. era of when everyone's realizing how important it is to hold on to your masters, whether it's like a podcast or whether it's like your mm. actual music catalog, um, which is why you saw the likes of Nipsey Hussle always talking about mm -hmm. it. And um, I think Brandy bought her masters recently. She and did. Like she, all of she, these artists. she sorted out all her business. And do you know what's even funny? Just a quick segue with Brandy is that she can't even sing the Moesha theme song like when <laughs> yeah. that is so sad yeah. like do you know how quintessential Moesha is to a lot the black community like in terms of if you had cable you know you know what trouble is you know what Moesha is you know what what Brandy that was part of Brandy's 90s legacy like that is her Brandy is her braids are her because of Moesha like it's crazy and she can't even sing the theme like that is the type of business games we are playing but right do you know now. what's wild it's a joke go on do you know what's do you know what's very wild? Any other artist could sing the Brandy theme song. No, the Moesha theme song, right? Yeah. But it's literally the label own her voice singing those particular words. Do you know how crazy? How like wild. I don't that even you want can't to even to hum the melody. It's, it, it is modern that's, day. That's just nuts like, to me. You're caging me. You're okay. I have yeah. made you how many money? They're streaming on Netflix now, mate. Netflix has got Moesha yeah. now. Like I can't sing what? So the next generation, what? Nah, that's crazy. That her daughter can see yeah. it, but she can't. Mad, mad, mad. But um, it's yeah, actually back mad. to Joe and the streaming conversation. Yeah, what you were saying is like we blindly follow those rules and stuff. Um, yeah, keep expanding because that was a great point. Well, I just think that in terms of the whole conversation from Joe Budden and everything, like I. Okay, so here is my issue with the way that things happen in the media and everything. I find that we can be quite pigeonholed in what we see and in the stories we follow. I think there's an in there's a situation where we need to understand there are two battles being fought at the moment. Like obviously what's going on with Joe Budden and his relationship is very important and it's something that um he should face trial for and obviously um as a result anyone who creates who harms women in that type of way should definitely face um, charges go to prison and all of the above because no woman should be getting attacked like that and Hundreds. especially especially some of the things i've read as well which i don't know if they're true and i just don't want to repeat them in case they're not but there's also there's another side to the conversation we need to pay attention to joe is saying at the moment that he <clears throat> owns everything that he creates like yeah joe knows how much he is worth and if I, for example, so say, for example, um, this podcast was making uh, £10,000 for a company. Yeah, Now, we were making £10,000. We went to a company and said, hey, guys, we make £10,000. Um, we want to be marketed and looked after in like a podcast company, for example, like a management company, whatever. And they said, cool, what we'll do is we'll give you £2,000. Me personally, I would at the same time be like, but without you we make ten thousand pounds so why are we joining a deal with you at the moment where we're actually making less than what we would do by ourselves um especially like it's it's wild to me because i think like as people who aren't necessarily in the industry or at the top yet you think that when you get to a certain point you have a little more freedom yeah um yeah i was watching in the duffel bag i think it's called it's the podcast with the Chucky jd Online. one yeah the jd one yeah and uh, he was speaking to bugsy malone and bugsy malone was like all money is is freedom tokens and like i think we imagine when people get to a certain point in their career they have all this autonomy they can do whatever they want and all these types of things but to say to see joe for example say that he 
can't take Christmas off, can't be by his father's bedside as mm. um, he's on his um, supposed deathbed because yeah. I think I think his father survived. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, yeah. Is wild. It's very wild. I, I just don't understand the thinking behind it. Um, but going back onto the streaming point, I think it's very important that we understand how the business works and yeah, how we, yeah yeah like it's important to come from one industry understanding how it works and going into another one like for example there are some things that i know about the publishing industry that i don't like like if people don't that don't know i do work in the publishing industry i work for um one of the top five publishers um in the well in the world talk and, about it talk about and, it and <laughs> and um I know I've seen some things. And I'm just like, wait, why would you do this? In my head, in my head, like obviously I wouldn't <laughs> say this out loud, but in my head, I'm just like, I've seen, I've heard about deals that people have signed, <clears throat> and I've just been like, if that was me, I wouldn't do it personally. Um, yeah, and it's a completely yeah. different industry, completely different. But at the same time, it lets me know that if I'm going into a building with a business and they want something that I do, and they're offering me a sum, it means I'm worth at least five times that. Because we don't buy things for their actual worth. We try to make some money off of it first. Yeah. And I think that's a very, very important conversation. And I actually wanted to go back to the Dame Dash interview on The Breakfast Club and kind of listen to what he was saying more. Because I feel like as a community, we didn't really deep what he was saying. Like when that interview came out and Dame Dash was talking about how you don't work for yourself, then you're not a real man and all these types of things. Obviously, it's riddled in like toxic masculinity and the idea that people who work nine to five, like um, they're somehow lose, missing out on like greater opportunities and all these types of things. That is one side of a thought. Right. But that goes back to my idea about how like with Twitter and social media, we're quite pigeonholed in terms of how we think. There is another side to that conversation where Dame Dash is literally saying, if you don't own your stuff, then what do you own? If you don't own the amount of time you invest into something that brings you money and time, because at the end of the day, money is time, then yeah. what do you own? And I, I find that conversation really interesting. And um, what Joe was talking about really intrigued me because obviously I, I have great hopes for this podcast. I, I see that we're receiving a lot of love from the industry and everything, but I do think it's important that we have the number one podcast on Spotify like I can't say that enough. The number one podcast on Spotify, number one. <laughs> say, like I have to, I have to say it many no, times. It's, say it's the top. It's that, the top of the platform in terms of podcasting. You know, but, but even like when you get to the top and sign, they still like when I say they, so it's not misconstrued. The industry still try to say, oh, you know what? Like you should be grateful for the fact that we put you in this position. Um, you want all these things. Uh, we don't have the budget. I'm sorry. We can't do that for you. You want Christmas off. Uh, can you just pre-record an episode so that we still make money? Like, I don't see that with other people. And I do think there's a racialized element to that. Of Although there is. I did deep actually that the Joe Biden actually have more white people than they do have black. But anyway, that's another conversation for another day. But, um, but you know, you know, the Joe Biden podcast is Joe. Like, obviously the other two is super important. Like, again, but you know the the main like the first part of interaction was because of joe and like the past the clips that get snipped are mostly joe and like it is him and friends like do you know what i mean and not no disrespect mm. no disrespect no disrespect to the team and whoever does the work and all of that but 
they know this. They know that mm. Joe is the front-facing brand. But again, that is a very good point raised. I didn't yeah. even know that as a very good point raised. Um, yeah, but it's just I, I found it funny because, like, obviously this is a side point. But Joe would keep being like, "As black people, we are this." Mm. And if I if I said that in a room and I looked around and I saw Rory, I saw Parks, and I saw Savon, I think his name is. Yeah. Three, I think Savon is white. I'm not entirely sure, but. Is Savon white? I think so. But think so. those two yeah. in the room, like no disrespect or anything, but I'm just intrigued in the dynamics on what the industry accepts and stuff like that. And um, with Joe Budden and his podcast, I think there's a very important message that we just need to make sure doesn't die. Like make 100%. sure that these companies know they can't give you used watches when you're making them seven figures. <laughs> that was like, the funniest to, part of the story I, for me. I, Nick, I honestly don't understand that. That used, When I heard like, that... Spotify. Spot, spot, this is Spotify right now. This is not some start, little start thing that just started out. This is Spotify. Yeah, this exactly. This is Spotify. Who can afford but, to give us google stuff to make a deal to you know obviously that's still google's money but can afford in their deal to stipulate for that yep and you can't give me a, a brand new watch come on now come on no come on yep. taking you the can't piss. play a player you can't you can't play a no. player and at the same time what joe i think joe made a very good point as well Wade. he said he feels like spotify doesn't fully understand the market that they're in and i think that mm. that is something to be interrogated look i mean how new is streaming streaming is still quite new in the mm. business model like in terms of its lifespan um over the last decade or so um, maybe just a bit more than a decade but in terms of how it's evolved in this new era we're still very much early into yeah. the the very the new phase of all of this so again as Eden said, he made a very good point. Like, we're taking all this information as king, but do the valuators of all of this even understand how to evaluate it? Has the industry even had enough minds in the room to come up with the correct approach on how to evaluate what a stream, what is worth? Like, mm. have they... It, it's all moving a bit too fast and there's a bit too much um, discrepancy and a bit too much thing, of things being hidden from us, like, in terms of the decision-making process and how... And transparency, that's the word I was looking for. Like, how transparent is all of this? Not quite. You know, not quite. From, from what we've done, the research... I mean, even in music, when I was looking before, like, how many streams equal this, how many album sales equal this, etc., it's still very billboard announces these are the new rules etc announces these are the new i want to know how yeah i want to know how from top to bottom not everyone can understand it but the right people in um, a plethora of communities like whether it's the black the jewish the arab whatever they could all understand it for their communities to filter that information down so that we know this is how it's been decided from a to b and that is what we need to know because it's very it's looking very weird in the light that the mm. as as Eden said, the top podcast in the world, that the deal is shabby. The deal is shabby, and there's there's not been a lot of gain instead, um, except for listenership and a bit of marketing stuff. But it's you know there hasn't been much gain from yeah. it in the two years. And two years yeah. is a long time in a deal. It's a long time very in a long. deal, you know. Very because usually, not every single deal, but in, usually in some entertainment deals. There's monthly evaluations, you know, mm. not not every single month, but I mean like six monthly kind of evaluations and stuff, half year, full year. Then you renew the contract to the year. This didn't get renewed. 
this didn't get renewed in terms of after the first year. They were locked into that deal. There was discussions yeah. on further in after the two-year mark to which Joe declined, but it wasn't a yearly thing. To be trapped in for two years is a lengthy bit of time, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Ugh, but I, funny I, just, I just wanted to have that conversation because I didn't want to skip over it and just kind of the next conversation is obviously about all the kind of um, the abuse and everything. I didn't want to skip over that conversation because it's important. It's very important that there are some aspects we look at mm. and we take away from. And we understand that the individual might not be the best person in the world. And obviously yeah. there are some things that they've done, which have been at the like horrible things that they've done. But the message is important. Yeah. Don't ever forget. Like, I don't, I, I have this conversation with my friends and obviously I have some really, really, really cool um, people in my life who are like really deep thinkers and um, think about like society as a whole and everything. And there's a conversation that I've had recently about um, who we can learn from. And the idea that there are some people in this world that we shouldn't learn from, like, for example, Katie Hopkins and um, uh, who else? Like Nigel Farage and all these people. And I disagree with that personally. I disagree. I believe you can take away lessons from people you don't like and flip them to the benefit of the people they're trying to destroy. Yeah. And when it comes to the likes of Katie Hopkins and um, Nigel Farage and these people, they know how to build an audience. They know what to say to make an audience rally and do certain things behind them. That audience may be, um, say, motivated by hate, for example, but they know what to say to, to get them to move. And I think that is a very, very important skill to have. But you've got to understand that that skill in itself doesn't mean you believe in what they're saying. And that's the kind of separation I wanted for Joe Budden. Like he has a very important message. All the other stuff that's happening needs to be focused on as well. But yeah. we have two eyes for a reason. We can focus on more than one thing. And I think that's very important to say. But I do think that we've kind of, it's been about almost 40 minutes <laughs> talking about Joe Budden and everything like that. But let's kind of get into the music. So what? let's talk about what we've been listening to this week. What is kind of like tickled our fancy in a bit. But Nick, what have you been listening to, man? um oh god i usually go last so but yeah i don't mind going first if you want i don't really mind yeah can we go to you first Eads? Because yeah that's cool i just want to say before we get into my or mine or Eden's, listen it's a win for northwest all right it's a win <laughs> for north fucking west all right nines church road number one number one on the uk charts and i know i contradict myself in terms of charts don't mean everything to, they, they don't but to see this king at number fucking one using all the marketing, all the innovative kind of tactics on social media and authenticity with his friends, with his riders, with the label, all sorts. Listen, he has rocked the industry this week. I've seen Steph, who was a former guest on our last season, shout out the marketing tools and say she's taken away some stuff. And she is an established marketeer in the music She looks business. after pounds, just Listen, to let people know big labels big boy labels so she has taken something away from this this is incredible like he the way it's just so authentic he was on um no signal doing stuff giveaways fan giveaways this is some us shit like the thing and i don't even want to look at it in the peridigms like that but he's doing stuff that like a like a big act would do and yep. he is a big act now in his, his own right sign to warner He's doing stuff that they would do in the 90s in terms of the yeah. fan engagement, you know, like getting fans stimulated. Do you know how hard it is to get listeners in 2020 stimulated like that? Like 
we are fans of nines mm. like the people yeah. who are fans like are the trl kind of fans who are like just authentically loving the artist you know on everything they do so shout out to him big up big up him big up the number one i'm so proud and i hope it gets number one again next week it deserves it yeah. you know two weeks number one we love it like and, and i hope he and goes just- platinum and just to add, because we can't skip over this, because I, I think we keep forgetting, all three of us are from Northwest London. So, yes, like, Tony, you got, Tony, if you're listening to this, put some horns or some kind of sound or something <laughs> to represent North London at the moment. <laughs> Northwest London, sorry, because we are killing it at the moment. Nines 100. is doing amazing. Um, and honestly, that album, I've been playing it every single day since it's come out. And mm. actually, let's go, let's go into the music. So I spoke yeah, about Crabs in the Bucket me. last week. And how, like, I love the movement, how elements of it reminded me of Nipsey's kind of movement um, of saying, like, there's a certain part of your area that you need to remember. You can't just forget it. And that's kind of the message I got from both Nines' music and the movie that he put out and everything. And it was a very, very well put together project. There there aren't big names on it, which is something I think kind of adds to it as well. Like... The like, like Nave Smalls, for example, is a fairly big artist in the UK. Oh, he is, he is a big artist in the UK, but is, yeah. it doesn't have the likes of like the bigger artists. Like Heady One is on there, but you know what I mean when I say bigger artists. When artists from the UK usually go mainstream, they usually try to throw on like names that are quite well known. And this isn't that isn't disrespectful in any means whatsoever. Like, um, it works for some artists. Like Stormzy works with Ed Sheeran. He's worked with him on I think two songs take me back to london and the one with burner boy i can't remember what it was called um but like some artists in the uk work with bigger artists but nines his album feels very humble and grounded and like listening to it over and over again it is much deeper um than i think is kind of understood there are like elements of mental health spoken about in this and kind of elements of um I need to make it. I need to make sure that I get to a point where I can feel comfortable letting go of my past and stuff. But at the same time, Church Road will always be home. And that's what I think he's saying in this album. And I think that in itself is incredible. Like, I there's always this conversation about when like black people get rich, we move out of the area we're born in and we kind of move to area where we're the minority. And we've always had the conversation about where will the black middle, ca- middle class live? Like, when... The likes of, um, say, like us, for example, or um, some people we know that are currently doing big things and kind of getting paid for it. And um, where will we move? Like where in London will become the middle class black area? Like you've got the likes of Atlanta in America and um, New Orleans, for example. Where is going to be the black middle class? And I think that conversation, it can be quite problematic because it is gentrification if we actually deep it. But at yeah. the same time, Nines is saying, I'm going to make all this money and stay where I'm at. I'm going to be in the area that I grew up in and live with my people. And there are complications that come with that. There's jealousy and all of these types of things. Yeah. But this album, I realized I didn't talk about which songs I loved from this album last week. So I'm going to just yell them out quickly. Um, I love um, Airplane Mode. I love NIC. I love Don't Change. I love Money Ain't a Thing. Ring a Ling in a club. I need to hear that when everything's oh safe, gosh, obviously. Yes. But that song's a banger. And my favorite song, you guys know I love an R&B interlude. I love an R&B interlude. Stalker interlude with Cherry on it. Listen, slaps. <laughs> slaps. Got that old school R&B feel. And at the same time, Nines comes and does what he's supposed to do. And I yeah. can only just shout at the album. Like, it's a really, really good album. And that kind of kind of just, like, 
encapsulates what I've been listening to the whole week. I've been listening to Nines. I've been listening to like old school R&B inspired music. So um, I went back to some, let me just find it. I went back to some um, Brandy because of the kind of um, verses. No albums in particular. I just listened to a few songs on Shuffle. Um, I, I listened to some Pink Sweat. So his first album. But I only listened to one song by Pink Sweat, to be honest. And that's just honestly, because um, I love the guitar in that. Um, Nick and I were having a conversation about the importance of instruments on songs and how, how much of a difference they can make on albums um, and songs, sorry. So Pink Sweat, honestly, is a song that I've been playing a lot. Frank Ocean was played a lot this week. Provider, um, Biking, some songs from Blonde like Nike um, and all of the above. I've just been in a very kind of sporadic mood when it comes to music. Oh, this is what I want to talk about. Sorry, I'm scrolling through Spotify as I'm talking. That's why it's a bit all over the place. Oh my gosh. If it's one of the two... Oh my gosh, I'm scared. If it's... if it's, I'm going to be crying in a minute if it's what I think it is, but go no, on. No, no. It's Giveon. I'm actually going to say I'm listening to Giveon. Oh, thank God. I was literally <laughs> going to say... I'll get into it. I'll get into it. Go oh, on. Okay, cool. So Giveon, take time. Like, I've... Obviously, I'm one of those people that I need to, like, rediscover an album. I can't listen to it when it's hype. So that's why I'm not talking about Big Sean today. Um, Nines is slightly different because it's the first time I've really listened to an album by him. But anyone that I've listened to before or like there's loads of conversation maybe on this podcast or like on Twitter, for example, I can't listen to their music because people overhype it. But Giveon, I am in love with Like I Want You. Like I listen to the slowed down version quite a lot, um, but I love this album. It's a very, very beautiful kind of contemporary R&B type of album. And I just think he has a massive future. Like from he went from this project to collaborating with Drake, which I know is still fairly a big achievement. Um, and like he just seems like he knows about R&B. He knows about um, kind of what music he wants to make. Obviously, he's not a fairly new artist. He came out in 2018 with a few songs. But this album in itself feels quite like well put together it feels like he has a musical ear and knows when certain peaks are and everything and also like just a very quick conversation very random i know but that's just the way i speak um when it comes to music i think the one thing that uk artists might be missing out on are the people who kind of orchestrate the music sometimes like to write a hook and to write a verse is perfectly fine but they're like when we see some songs, like say from Kendrick Lamar or maybe Beyonce or someone like that, you'll see in like song credits, it's got all of these names in the kind of like bio for it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they wrote the words in the song. Sometimes it just means they say, oh, actually, let's move the chorus to be before this verse, because on the instrumental, it's going to sound much better. It's going to sound much more fresh. It's going to be more open. And I think that's what's missing on some UK songs. Um, do you also so mean, under I don't want to take your point. Do you also mean like, like executive producers as well? Because exactly. they curate the project, like of a whole, yeah. like the direction and stuff like yep. that too. So, but yeah, I didn't want to get into your, your bag, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's very important. Um, Obviously it's something that not everyone can afford and everything, but when you see artists kind of elevate from say, a certain song and maybe the mastering isn't as good and then they get to a certain point and when i say mastering for people who don't know um it's how the overall the the voice kind of mixes with the instrumentals and everything mm. that's put together in the song just so everything sounds meshed together well and nothing's clashing um when you first hear an artist come out and their song just 
you, you may not like it maybe because it's not mixed well or because um, it doesn't have an executive producer like Nick said or maybe there aren't people that know oh actually um, there's there's like a rhythm to this song that we're not utilizing properly and maybe get rid of this instrument and put this instrument in instead and there's there's an art to making music it's much more than just like writing a song and then writing a chorus um and i think with Giveon, he definitely has like that ear or he has the right team behind him for this this project and this album so i really loved it man so that is take time by Giveon. um specifically like i want you love that song um, pink sweat and yeah just some random songs like frank ocean r&b and nines crabs in a bucket nick what have you been listening to okay so very strong list um i will co-sign nines but i'll say that i still feel like i haven't taken it in um as much as i'd like to before actually really delving in so next week guys promise Mm -hmm. I will um, have a review for you on um, what my thoughts are. But in terms of what I've been listening to this week, I will talk about Bryson Tiller's surprise drop. So he's actually made a joke about himself, SZA and Rihanna, the two that I first mentioned. So Bryson and SZA did return to the R&B universe. Um, both are, I think, yeah, both are signed to RCA, which is ironic, um, too. But yes, Bryson released Blame, um, Blame, sorry, that was his last song, Inhale. Um, and it sampled, um, of course, Bryson Tiller's gonna sample some songs. Um, he sampled both All Night Long by SWV, Not Gonna Cry by Mary J. Blige as well um and they both were actually on the soundtrack of waiting to excel on it sorry released in 1995 but in terms of this song i loved obviously the samples because i love both songs but in terms of the overall song what i am going to say about bryson tiller is it's getting a little bit safe for me um and it's getting a bit safe for a lot of artists right now in terms of just relying on the bedrocks of 90s r&b like obviously we love that genre we just spoke about brandy we what well, i watch monica versus brandy versus two artists which fundamentally shaped the whole sound of r&b if you're going to talk about keisha cole you got to talk about monica if you're going to talk about pretty much every woman in r&b you're going to talk about brandy because she's the vocal bible but in terms of relying on these artists and samples you know it's getting slightly lazy for me um and the 90s is amazing r&b during that time was amazing but there was a before there was an there is an after it's still very active but um yeah bryson like i i'm a big fan you know i am a big fan of bryson and you know what his debut album trap sold what he did in terms of i feel like he he and party next door in particular were catalysts um for this trap soul movement i always make this analogy but i think um summer walkers over it is the flip side to the coin of trap soul by bryson tiller they are virtually so similar in terms of their artistry their sampling of 90s music their incorporation of um trap and r&b and soul together i mean summer walker's boyfriend is london on the track like it doesn't get trappier than that and he loves his samples too so um yeah i just feel like with bryson the overuse of the sample like the sample took up 
a lot of the song in terms of like some people do this thing called interpolation, which is a little bit different, which is, I believe, I'm not, do you know what? I'm not even going to speak to it, but it's a different process to sampling directly. I think it's where you incorporate the beat and change it, like in terms of making it a part of your newer production whereas the the sampling is literally that as it is insert into a song um and use but yeah anyway i believe interpolation is much better of an approach um or if it is a sample like make it an intentional part of the song and make it fit you know the song that you you are updating obviously um in terms of themes and stuff i just feel like he i don't know i don't know i don't know i just i it didn't i didn't not like it but it was very safe and I got bored very quickly. Um, yeah, I just really, Bryson should be so much bigger than, well, to be honest, again, I'm not going to contradict myself from last week. He should be so much bigger. I personally can see him being so much bigger in, in terms of just being that modern day shapeshifter of R&B into the pocket of Trap Soul. Um, he's just letting himself down a little bit, you know. I did like Blame. I did his song before, his Lucy before, but um, this doesn't need to make the album um okay. that's coming up. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rude, but this isn't trying me being trying to say, like, we can start again. I'm, can I'm I fine. Be, I'm fine. Can I'm I be rude? Again. Please go on, <laughs> Nick. This song is awful. This song, I didn't is think it was terrible. awful. I nah, it was... Nick. <laughs> Nick, the song is two, what, two or three. Wait, let me find out. I let me get the like actual facts because it actually annoyed me. One sec. <laughs> I didn't think it was awful. I don't. I don't know. Wait, don't hold know. on. <laughs> so, all right. So the song is two minutes and fifty-four seconds long. Yet, I am not lying when I'm saying at least two minutes of that is the sample. Yeah, there's it a sounds strong, like it's, it's, yeah. There's a strong part of it. There's a sample. And also, yeah. why is he flowing so? Why is he flowing like that? He's like over the over the like drums of the it's song. Weird. He is flowing, and it's like he's missing all the peaks. And I just don't understand. Look, I like Bryson Tiller too. I like Trap Soul. I didn't like 100. his um, second album. Um, there yeah. are some songs off there that I liked, but it was terribly kind of put together and goes back to what we're talking about about making sure you have the right team around you. The last song I liked by Bryson Tiller was Insecure, featuring Jasmine Sullivan. That is the last Bryson Tiller song that I like <laughs> that came out. Um, I yeah, did it's... enjoy. Now, there's a difference between liking and enjoying. Yeah. I did enjoy um, Cancelled. I liked Cancelled. Everything else has been awful. Like, I'm sorry, but in- mm. Inhale is a terrible song. Mm. It's like, I uh, no, it, it just doesn't Yikes. slap at all. It's awful, awful, awful. And I think with Bryson Tiller, like, I understand the sentiments of him being a bigger artist. To me, he reminds me of like what Drake was to um, the early, what year did Drake come out? To the, Was it the early 2000s? No, it was like 2010. Late right? 2000s, late 2000s. Yeah, late 2000s. Um, so like what Drake was in terms of how he was this crooner and he kind of um, obviously borrowed from Kanye West and um, Fonte, for example, but 100%. he kind of came in the scene and was this singer rapper who was like, didn't care about, um, being seen as soft and like was in the era of like light skin dark skin tumblr all that type <laughs> of stuff that was like the conversation um but bryson tiller when he came out with trap soul changed the r&b landscape a bit um and like mm, it did became yeah. and he, he just flipped it quite a lot but i feel like he's lost like i just i don't feel his music it just doesn't have 
energy. It just, it just isn't good. Like, it's just not good. Do it you just know doesn't what it slap. Is? I feel like he needs to find his team, right? And like, not business, not in a business perspective, but I think he needs to find his team sonically. And that doesn't mean you always have to work with them, but it means that your core sound is mm. constructed by them and i think he is kind of one of those artists being a game changer being someone that creates or helps to create a, a subgenre, um which he did you know you can't take that away from him means that i think you have to have that consistent core that helps mm. you f- uh, formulate the bedrocks of what that sound is right and i think it's just kind of like how Timberland and missy was fundamental with the parts of Aaliyah for a, a, an era or two and how like yeah i just think dark child mary j blige like you know how that's yeah. gonna sound like you know when you hear dark child and you hear mary timberland and usher like you just know like you know what i mean there's just a sound you know and i think with bryson he needs that kind of orchestration and that yeah. team to help he him like we're just talking about exactly that relationship to feel comfortable to feel like 100% his artistic self to mm-hmm. get out his best product, you know? And he mm. might have that, you know, he might have that. But in terms of him honing into it, I feel like we need to hone into it because I still believe in Bryce and I still feel, I feel, I feel like he's got an era in him. I still feel mm. like he's got an era in him. I feel like he can get it back. But I think it, it you know what he tweets a lot you know about mm. mental health and all of this kind of stuff and I, I think there's a lack of will there and that's fine you know that's fine that you know again we we don't music you know is down to the artist and their decisions fundamentally they don't have to make music if they don't want to and if he does if he doesn't feel like it it's fine we don't want forced music what i'm saying is i feel like then the will needs to come back um, mm. and the hunger artists make their best work when they're hungry uh, yeah. and he needs to get that hunger back and that is arguably from what i've heard haven't heard the full album but my past opinions that's what my past opinions have been of big sean like the hunger just don't get me started on that man don't feel like it's quite there um i'm scared to digest this album i will do it though because i am a fan he is he can write he can write you know we, we you know when he he's in his bag he is in his bag you know but um <sighs> We'll, we'll, we will press play at some point this week as well. Um, it is 21 songs long, I believe. So that is, that's a chore. In this climate, it's a chore. So we will get through. But um, back to Bryson, that is exactly how I feel. There's a lack of will. And yeah, like maybe like we just spoke about exec producers, maybe he just needs a great executive producer to help him help him Not out Diddy. a little bit. But Not, yeah. no 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 <laughs> yeah no diddy and r&b like he's he's stuck in a pocket and we're, we're fine but um mm. we, yeah like um maybe even a baby face you know baby face works with lucky day recently maybe but then i don't i don't even know maybe maybe not baby face maybe not baby face but in terms of like a modern r&b connoisseur who just knows this shit um or her shit um to help him out uh, that's that's what i feel because th- this oversampling can't be the album it can't it, it can't it can't but it will be it can't <laughs> it, we, because we know it will be that's you the know, thing we got a taste of that with summer walkers over it and you know what it, it worked they flipped it london on the track you know flipped it but in terms of bryson i can't so if we songs, if we think about for example the like biggest songs that bryson till is known for like if we think about um wild thoughts for example it's a sample 
like if we think about like exchange, other songs he's been even on, even has exchange, I think has a sample on it. Yep. Um, don't even has a sample. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't even have to be like an actual song sample because he does sample video games and stuff like that as well. Yeah, like yeah, Street yeah, Fighter, yeah, yeah, yeah. which he is does, really cool actually. I do hope which he does is cool. More of that. He should lean into that. That that would be dope. That, but that should have, be dope. Did Did you listen to Bryson Tiller before he became like he he made yeah SoundCloud stuff? I loved his SoundCloud shit. Do you know like, he I, sounded like Chris Brown before he was actually like this singer rapper guy? He actually sung like actually sang sang like in some a different... of his interact yeah his yeah some of his like pronunciation and like yeah, it definitely borrowed from that yeah. era of R and B that Chris Brown kind of era. Um, yeah, early Chris Brown I definitely got from some of his his SoundCloud releases. But I, yeah. to be honest, when he started doing the trap stuff on SoundCloud, I fucked with that. Like that that's the sound that we need to get back to because yeah. that ugh, Break Breads, let me tell you something <laughs> now. That is my Bryson Tiller song. Like if you search my app with Break Bread, I've played that like a hundred times. Like that is my song. Like he needs to get back to that. Like just, mm. and, and like there's even on, um uh even on Trap Soul, there's songs where he's just in his bag, like cocky and rapping, like rapper, rapper. Like there's some good flows. There are loads track. of bangers there's, on there's that album. Great, there's some great flows. Like outside of the singing, singing, there is some good flow mm. on. He can track rap. Soul. He can rap. He can rap. So come on, like let's let's lean into the cocky shit. Let's lean into that. Like um, he needs to. We we. Do you know what I think he needs in the studio as well? He needs someone to just be. That you know them shouty motivational hype like yeah. whether you're in the gym whether you're like all of that like he needs that he needs I safari feel like, i feel like again we spoke <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes that would actually be a great partnership not sonically but in terms of that safari is a hype man um yeah. in terms of bryson i feel like he's too humble you know too like oh like we're just gonna make a song like you know see what happens like no you're making a song like do you know what i mean like (laughs) he needs you in the studio nick (laughs) jump up like we need to do some jumps star jumps (laughs) get the skipping rope out like all of that we need that because i believe in him i genuinely know he's got it musically and he knows music i know he knows music but um come on the confidence it's the lack of confidence for me that's doing it and i think that results in him just being lazy and using the samples like you can love an artist and you can love an era but where's your identity in that and that's an issue with me with samba walker where's your identity in that you know um but we'll see we'll see i still have hope and faith you know it's not like big sean where i'm on my last legs but in terms of bryson there's still there's still some time it's only been two albums you know it's only been two albums. Um, mm. Yeah. So that's Bryson. Very long dissection with Bryson Ziller. But um, in terms of what else I've been listening to, listen, 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 listen. I shout this girl out every single week. And I am going to do it again because the work just keeps coming out. The work just keeps coming out. Can I take a guess? You know who it is. You know okay, who it on. is. It's Does Big it Lotto. M? It's Big Lotto. It okay, is. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um... Yeah, problematic day. We know we've discussed it all that, but in terms of her work rate, I just have to. I have to. Start. This is her time. This is her time, and I'm. I'm so happy. You know. You know me. I love a come up story. When Megan was coming up, I was watching every move. When Cardi was coming up, I was watching every move. Even during Nikki's day, I was watching moves. Even in Big Sean's mixtape days, I was watching the moves. J Cole watching the move. Drake 
watching all the mm. moves like Drake's feature game at one point, Nikki's feature game in one year. She was on every song with mm. every caliber of artist. So I love when an artist is coming up and Mulatto has taken this Cardi B feature on WAP and she's taken her signing to RCA earlier during COVID. Um, and she has just said, I'm collaborating with everyone like i'm here so she was on chloe and hallie's remix didn't really like that the do it remix it, it it just didn't feel like it worked for the song sonically but um not just Mulo not just lotto's verse but um in terms of doja cat was on it and the city girls which um you know it could be hit or miss with flow with them um in terms of lotto though she was on that song and then she was on g easy song which i personally don't listen to g easy like that um i don't i don't i just he can he can be here you know he that's the kind of he whatever it is what it is i don't have an opinion i'm indifferent to g easy but i had to listen when i saw the visual i had to listen and one thing i like about this girl i say it every single week but i love her cadence okay she's from atlanta first woman in rap in atlanta to get a gold plaque that's nuts to me um but yeah she she's um from atlanta Clayco, particularly a county there. Um, and that accent, that twang, there's something about it that makes her inter her her interactions and her um pronunciation just it it's so smooth. It's so smooth and it's just got that 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 rural feel. That rural feel that that and it when she's when you're cocky with that accent, it's it's a different thing. Like you know all the rappers like Gucci um there's so many different rappers from atlanta who atlanta's atlanta's a whole thing right now it's been a whole thing but in terms of yeah just it just sounds it just sounds nuts when she does that and she is just so front of house with her her looks how she presents herself she put um flo millie jordan woods and um santana which uh two of which flo millie and santana are upcoming rappers and Jordan is Jordan, you know, you know who Jordan Woods is. Um, but yeah, she is just, and she's got pen. The other thing is her pen. She writes a lot of her own music. She's only recently started letting in out of house writers there, but she, she's very protective over what she writes. Um, and I love a rapper who can write their own bars. And I just, I just love her. Like genuinely, she's problematic as fuck on social media. She is weird. Like, and I will just go out and say she is one of my problematic faves. If I can say it about Azalea Banks, I'll say it about Lotto. And man, she's incredible. She is, she's got the hunger. And when an artist has that hunger in their eye, as I just spoke about with like Bryson and stuff, it, it's only going up. It's only going up. And she has more collaborations in the bag. I know she just released her album, Queen of the South, which I spoke about last week. She's just, I, I am attracted to hunger. You know, mm. when I see a hunger in an artist paired with the talent, that just, yo, like, and I always say one of my favorite rappers in terms of, I'm jumping around here, but one of my favorite rappers in terms of cadence is Rick Ross. Like, mm. whoa, he do, all he has to do is, oh, whoa, like, whenever you know he's on a track, you, you don't even have to be actively listening to the song. Mm. When that mm. that growl enters the ring and when he starts you just can't not listen to what mm. he has to say you can't you can it's, it's unstoppable another rapper who's on the come up who has this this great cadence as well and accent paired with this is dutch Avelli, which is steph london's brother i've spoken mm. about him before last week 
that is going to take him places. If he's got the penmanship to match, which I believe he does, um, and he finds, again, like Eden said, the people to construct songs that know how songs sound and how all of that should come together. Yo, a beast. Mm. An absolute beast in the ring. And um, Lotto has that cadence all the way down. Like, it is just... She, she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. She's already got her signature. The fact that she was already able to not change her name because she's not changing the mulatto which again is another conversation really problematic rooted in racial stuff but um in terms of the fact that she's able to change her whole thing her whole brand to big lotto and make the cadence with that brand name just the thing crazy like she's nuts and i just i i want to see her i want to see her advance in this new era of woman in rap and she really clawed her place into this she really said i'm gonna grab it because the industry ain't giving it to me and the industry followed suit when they saw the buzz that she had when they saw the interaction that she had she's already on like four point something million followers on instagram like she it's nuts it's only going up for her like people who are mad that she's here get ready because she she's she's here she's here for the long run and i see it um so shout out to her big up low um and then lastly i'm gonna go to uk i'm gonna first shout out miles from kinshasa beloved ep released yesterday again this guy just <sighs> mad absolutely crazy in terms of how he's doing it he is an alternative um I want to say, do you know what? He sings and he raps sometimes as well. Um, or half sings, half raps. But I'll say he's more so a singer. Um, he's from Congo. Uh, and he dabbles in R&B, Congonese rumba, um, a variety of different sounds. And I just think that this H-track uh, EP is stellar in terms of its lyricism, in terms of his penmanship, in terms of just how simple the songs are in their construction but then how sonically they are intentional like his voice on like every note feels intentional every interaction feels intentional um every feature there's only one feature murkish dave credible visuals incredible and you know he's not a big artist in terms of budgets labels etc but he knows how to create an artistic masterpiece, right? And I think this, he's great with melodies as well. One of his his strong suits are melodies. Um, I'm going to say that Looking For You is one of the standout songs on Beloved that demonstrates this best. Just if you're going to listen to anything, Looking For You is that great, that great sweet spot that amalgamates all of his skill sets together so i think beloved is great um if you're into um slower paced melodic um emotional like positive emotions um and just soul bearing i'd say that beloved is for you and then i did say that was the last one but there is one more um Santino Le Saints um again a genre blender like completely um he's just doing things different in the UK because I feel I feel like you know people on a mainstream level there's this conventional sound um 
that happens when when you get an R&B male act, you know. But I feel like Santino the Saint, he's doing it so different. This Blue EP, Blue Pill EP, which is four songs long, was released yesterday as well. 13 minutes, guys. I'm not asking you to listen for long. Um, this four-track EP is just nuts. Like, he doubles in soft rock, um, normal rock, like, in terms of, like, hardcore kind of rock and um r&b as well and he just mixes those two worlds together so seamlessly like it's incredible like he he's someone to watch like if you're earmarking anyone i would say he's someone that you need to watch because he has the sound for the mainstream that they would want you know it's just about the right again with most of these artists it's about the right song hitting and the right opportunity and i would say that he definitely knows what he's doing he knows exactly what he's doing and um i would say the song of the the whole tape that i love the best is probably ecstasy which features this upcoming rapper called infamous isaac um but yeah this the whole every song's great and he signed to empire um slash his collective called cloud x uh and i just you know i'm, I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of, of what he's doing and the work that's coming out of the UK. The last two projects that I just spoke about were great releases for New Music Friday. Um, haven't got into Big Sean, as I said before, but you will hear about that next week. I've heard a lot. I've read a lot in terms of opinions. So we'll see. We'll see what that release brings. Um, but that is, unless Eden wants to chime in on anything. No, um, I just, I'm... I'm going to check out those artists that you've recommended. Um, any new listeners that listen to the podcast, just so you know, the way that we kind of listen to music is very different. All three of us, obviously, Shoppe is here today. <laughs> yeah. So um, Shoppe is kind of like the old head who loves his old school R&B. He calls himself the uncle, or we call him the uncle of R&B. Um, Nick uncle, is fairly new. Actually. Like, he pays attention and to the sound waves, what's going on. We all do individually, but... Um, the way it usually works yeah. is Nick will come and talk about newer artists that he's found and kind of where their inspiration comes and stuff. And I'm just more like what I feel, like what I find, what I vibe, what I vibe with, what mm. I'm actually, I feel like I'm more of an emotive listener. So yeah, yeah. thanks for that, Nick, man. But <laughs> I think we have to move into the music section because we have, yeah. I think, three topics to get through. So do your thing, man. One thing I want to say, though, if you're a fan of like old school, you know, garage era stuff, Right, double D, double D in Kado. There was a release this week, and it, it you was mean D double? Like it was great. D oh sorry, D double E, <laughs> yeah, D double E in Kado. Sorry, do you know what it is? I'm not looking at the song. Um, yeah. But no, tell me a thing. I saw that release. Um, someone recommend us that yesterday. Um, that was his R two. That was his R two. Yeah, that that song in particular. Yes, like, Kano, she's, I love her. Yeah, she's and also so. like I don't I don't want us to like run over, but like just very quickly, Kano is someone that we need to just say is a legend, and that's it now. Like, there's no more. Is Kano a legend? Is he? No, he's a legend. I'm sorry. He is. Like nah, whatever he, Kano jumps on, it bangs. Like, like he knows what to make and when to make it. He pays attention to the scene and what's needed. Like. Um, what's it called? Hoodies All Summer. I talk, I've spoken about it all last season. That album changed Mate, my life. This guy loves that project. This I, this guy loves that project. Like it's literally they're, they're changed my life. Together, Eden and that project. And I would recommend because Kano is doing this interview series to make money for um, yes, Newham, where um, he's talking to a few artists, and he had one recently with Gets. 
and that was very very interesting because if you knew about their history together growing up and everything and kind of coming through the scene and becoming like two legends in the UK um, grime and UK rap scene it's a very interesting conversation because they talk about being humble and then there's the conversation about when do you think you've blown yeah. and all of these types of things but I'm conscious of time I would say check it out um, let's go to the news section Man, there. So Nick, do your thing. It's been a long week because I actually forgot this happened. Was it this week that this happened? Like, like, like really? Like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah, because Carnival. Yeah, 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 it was. It was okay. Cool. It was. Yeah. It was. You guys just got a hint of what's going on, but um, hmm, hmm, hmm. So essentially, the Jamaican elections yeah. went like they happened, and the winner of the election was oh, um, okay. Adele. <laughs> okay. So, um, um, Nick. you know, we we got. Do you know what I hate this term? People, <laughs> you know, sensitive, sensitive warning to black people. There are some coons in the house. There are some coons because I'm just reading some support. I'm reading some <laughs> of the names. Obviously, they're expected, but damn, Naomi Campbell, David Lammy, like, why? What are we doing anyway? Um, Adele, so cultural appropriation. What's going on, cultural appropriation? So our beloved, well, not my beloved, but beloved Adele to this country, the bedrock of this country's musical sounds right now to some people. She has been accused of cultural appropriation because of a picture which went viral, which she orchestrated. Um, So... There's an Instagram picture, which you've seen. I know you have. I know you have. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, you've seen it because you're interested in music and culture. Um, Bantu Knots, right? Bantu Knots. Uh, we've got a Jamaican bra. We've got feathers, which look way too small. Um, and we've got... I, I forgot what you call them, but they're the gym pants that you wear in the gym. Um... Yeah, the girls always wear in the gym. They're that. Um, and yeah, she posted it. She said, happy what would be Notting Hill Carnival, my beloved London. Um, Yeah, like, and within minutes, literally four minutes. Because when I saw this picture, it had been up for four minutes. She was trending. Twitter, Twitter trending. You, you know how black Twitter works. We're gonna, if we're gonna laugh, we're gonna laugh, you know? And this went on for, I think, around 48 hours, I'm gonna say. Um, there was videos, you know, I posted a video, little mix, you know, that Jamaican accent thing. I said, that was Adele making a new mm. song, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a <laughs> lot of memes, all right? It was funny. It was very funny. I'm not going to lie. It was very funny. But you know what it did? It sparked a real conversation. Um, shout out to our friend Isaac, by the way. Isaac um, is an incredible... A child of two worlds on a socials. A child of two worlds. Um, very, very, very important when it comes to representation in the um, West Indian space. Very big carnival goer. Mm-hmm. He knows the history, which we're going to get into. He knows, he just knows mm-hmm. what's going on. When it comes to Dominica, where he comes from, when it comes to the West Indies, Trinidad, Jamaica, all of this, he is very tuned in. Okay, he's tapped into the topic. And one person I am going to shout out, she is a fellow writer. She is 
so inspirational. Like, I could, there's no words for this woman and her work. Shireen Taylor, her at is S-H-H-A-R-I-N-E on all platforms, I believe. But Twitter's the most important. You will see her work. She represents Jamaica every single article, all right? Every, every single piece mm. is that, okay? She's interviewed pretty much all of the hyper-visible and upcoming acts um, for the region on, like, the likes of The Fader, all sorts. She did a thread. Um, but this, yeah, this sparked dialogue. This sparked accusations of cultural appropriation, which we're going to obviously get into. Um, I will also shout out Shante, um, who wrote an article on how it happened, like the whole cultural appropriation. So that would be good if you want to really read, if you're more of a reader. Um, I think it was for The Independent. Shante, Shante Joseph. Sorry, Joseph, yes. Ass, I'm always forgetting that. Shante Joseph on socials. Um, You will find her very hyper-visible. Um, so she wrote a piece for The Independent, mm. um, basically clarifying and explaining how this all came to fruition. Very important article as well to get into. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go through a few comments that this article was tell- showing me about cultural appropriation and what was said um so if 2020 couldn't get any more bizarre adult is giving us bantu knots on cultural appropriation that nobody asks for this officially marks all of the top white women in pop as problematic hate to see it another um said if you haven't quite understood cultural appropriation look at adele's last instagram post she should go to jail (laughs) no parole for this don't know about that because abolish police but we don't know about that but um in terms of uh someone in the comments bantu knots are not to be worn by white people in any context any period um david lammy chimed in late to the party i think it was on tuesday um or monday in evening and dismissed um dismissed the allegation of cultural appropriations as poppycock like obviously dismissing it saying it's just garbage like loads of people chatting crap essentially um, he tweeted, this humbug totally misses the spirit of Notting Hill Carnival and the tradition of dress-up or masquerade. Adele was born and raised in Tottenham. She gets it more than most. Don't know what growing up in Tottenham means for understanding Black culture and the nuances and the Black diaspora, but okay. Um, thank you, Adele, for getting the haters. Um, and just, just, to, just to add, sorry, if Americans are listening, um, David Lamb is yes, basically Ben Carson yes, for the yeah. UK. Um, so um, you, you can understand why yeah. he would say he's something an MP like that. and you just need to get into his history he's doing a whole Obama tour in terms of being an orator for black voices and black lives but it's all a performance let's just be real um, allegedly I'm going to say allegedly because mm-hmm. le- legalities you know um, anyway but um, in terms of yeah. that he said forget the haters that was the end of the tweet um, Naomi Campbell, who was born in Jamaica, actually commented with a love heart and two pictures of the Jamaican flag, which obviously showed support. Um, I'm surprised by this. No, actually, I'm not surprised because artists, like, you know, the critical thought, smart, it doesn't really happen. Um, Popcorn actually put an emoji with a love heart. Um, and Tessa Thompson put a flame emoji i don't even know why we're getting into that deep but yeah that is what happened cultural appropriation i would share some of eyes as eden gives his thoughts on this i am going to try and find some of the, the conversation from people who we 
actually listen to, you know, because I think it was really important. But what I want from Eden is the thoughts. Was Adele culture appropriating? Um, yeah, because this is a lot to say. Anyway, go on. So first and foremost, I'm just going to say it's a hard one. I think it's quite nuanced because my understanding of cultural appropriation is someone who does something without acknowledging where it comes from. And if Adele is doing what she's doing in celebration of Carnival and she's kind of shouting out Jamaica and all those types of things, then I'm a bit like, "Mm, I don't know. But at the same time, I'm questioning if anyone else did it, what would I feel? And I feel like... I wouldn't. I would, would. call it cultural appropriation personally. Okay. okay and okay. I feel like, yeah, I would. I would. I would call it cultural appropriation. But equally at the same time, like, I know there's, like, privilege in saying this, but I feel like mm. we have way more important things to talk about. Um, When it comes to Adele with the Bantu Knots, obviously that is a conversation we've had and is something that needs to be addressed because it keeps happening. Like, I, I literally searched for examples of cultural appropriation and the first things I'm seeing are Katy Perry with um, the Cleopatra kind of braids and the um, grills and doing the Migos thing. And then there's like Kim Kardashian with braids, Justin Bieber with dreadlocks. And um, all of these artists like kind of wearing um, cultural styles outside of what we are allowed to wear. Like, I don't know if people are aware of this, but there was a case in Jamaica recently where there were some school children who have dreadlocks and like to the outside world right like dreadlocks in themselves you think of jamaica like although there's a whole historical background of where it comes from in like the east and all these types of things in india and stuff like when you think of dreadlocks you think of jamaica now but a lot of people don't know that rastafarians and like people who have dreadlocks Thank in jamaica they have a battle that they face point. in jamaica Thank of getting you. representation of like like living like living their own lives where they're allowed to have their cultural hairstyles and all of these types of things. And then for us to come onto the internet and see people wear it in the public, in like professional spaces, like when there's an image of David Beckham, who's a footballer in case, like, again, American listeners are listening, um, meeting the prince of, yeah, Prince Charles. <laughs> he has a do-rag on. And I think under that do-rag, he has um, Cane Row. And no like black person who isn't like at a certain level would be able to do that like in certain spaces we're told we're not allowed to have certain hairstyles we're not allowed to do certain things and i think that's where the frustration comes from it's the understanding that our culture isn't allowed to be worn by us but then when it when it's worn by other people like mainly white people it's 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 kind Mm. of like a costume for them and i think that's kind of the side that a lot of people are frustrated about let me tell you what i was angry about though so this is when I was on Twitter because currently I'm taking a break from it, <laughs> mainly for this reason as well. I saw a lot of people who weren't. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're, we're gonna talk about it. Maybe okay. black, but maybe from a okay. different country. Okay. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. I saw a lot of a lot of people that weren't Jamaican and maybe not even um, from the West Indies come online and say, "I don't understand why people are getting upset about this. This isn't cultural appropriation." Um. I take massive issue with that because I've noticed that when it comes to Jamaica and it comes to the West Indies, though the West, well, when it comes to the Caribbean, sorry, I keep using the, the colonial term for some reason, but when it comes to the Caribbean, 
whenever there's an issue with something that's taken from us, be it reggaeton, be it um, the fact that they, that reggaeton artists hardly ever acknowledge the fact that their music derives from black people and um, mainly from like reggae and all of those types of um, genres, a mixture of so many different genres, it but is, mainly yeah. reggae comes to the front. Um, or like, for example, um, the dreadlocks conversation, all of these types of things. It's always like, oh, I think, I think you guys are taking it too deeply. You're not really understanding what's going on. Um, I remember there was a conversation about how during carnival, there's always this conversation about how it's over-sexualized and how it's like, you can never wife someone who goes to carnival. You can never get in a relationship with, with someone who goes to carnival. And to me, it's always anti-Caribbean, anti-West Indian um, rhetoric. Even if we look, for example, at the Famalam episode that came like, out recently. Disrespect. Disrespect. Like there is an, like there's an, there's an intercommunal issue. And when I say intercommunal, I mean Black British issue when it comes to diaspora wars and the understanding of where hurt comes from. Because sometimes there are things that people just don't have the range to understand and it should be okay with that. If there's something I see going on with Nigerians or um, Ghanaians or um, Congolese um, people, if there's something that I see going on online and they're upset about it, <laughs> I don't need an opinion on it. Like I was seeing tweets from people who aren't West Indian saying, oh, um, oh I'm going to I'm going to log off the Internet now because it's becoming too much. You guys are doing too much. What do you mean? This is our culture. Can we have like, a discussion? Does I'm baffled. Like this is like this is literally our culture. Like, That's I know what Bantu I was going to say. Like the diaspora can definitely speak about like Bantu a whole like, because because it's a South African they can. originated. They can. So speak about that. Like but, speak about that. Like you know what I mean. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we can talk about that and everything. But the idea that it's happening on Carnival weekend, it's um. It's, it's an event where we're told that if we gather in large groups that there'll be a £10,000 fine and all of these types of things. Our cultural holiday is being, like, appropriated. And, like, I know, like, with Adele, I like to think that she has, like, positive intentions because, obviously, she's from Tottenham and what she did before, like, when she received the award at the Grammy and she was like, oh, I love Lemonade and all these types mm. of things. She definitely gives her credit towards, like, the black british community like her relationship with stormzy and all of these artists like she definitely shouts them out and grew up in tottenham like we said before but never ever make the mistake of thinking that because someone comes from an environment where there's mostly black people around them that they won't get too comfortable yeah because that yeah. is the issue when you are surrounded by mostly black people, you think you can get away with certain things because, oh, I'm not racist. I have a black best friend or I, I had a black boyfriend or, I, or whatever. No, that's not how life works, I'm afraid. Like, I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. Um, your proximity to something doesn't mean you can't harm it. And if we look, for example, what was happening in America with um, the professor, um, the black, well, the, the, the oh, Jewish Lord. professor who pretended oh, to be black. For years, We're not even I can't remember her, her name. Um, she pretended to be a, to, pretended to be black, pretended to be from um, like the the ghetto and, Afro and all these types of things. Like she pretended to be African. Our culture is up for grabs, and Afro it's exactly Brooklyn, again specifically Afro Caribbean again, and our culture is up for grabs, and we deserve to be angry at the fact that people think they can just walk in the culture and just do whatever they want. But at the same time, I echo the point that I don't care about this. Like, like I said, there was an election going on in Jamaica. The, yeah. the COVID rates were spiking and um, tourism is our number one um, income stream for the West Indies, for the Caribbean. I keep saying the West Indies. And 
we're gonna have to figure out new ways to make money and to survive as a as an island whilst this is going on that's the conversation mm. i would love to have but mm. it doesn't mean other people can't mm. have it i just don't care about it so I yeah think, that's what i have to uh, say on it really summarized it quite well i think personally um why is the bar so low with black people um in terms of who they let in and all this an intention mm. can be fine but impact is another thing and your impact is you're trivializing jamaica like you are trivializing jamaica and carnival culture like mm. how dare you like in terms of the whole bantu knots and jumping into our space as if it's a costume design when this celebration is about liberation slavery freedom you know no 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 and personally this is a hot take i am unnerved with how open our notting hill carnival has become i'm sorry i am you know why am i hearing drum and bass you know why like, i'm sorry why am i hearing genres outside of soca why am i hearing even why am i hearing bashment why am i hearing afrobeats why am I hearing this? I agree. No, like, no, no, no. Black, white, whatever the genre. I want to hear Soka. Because that, that's what the origins of Carnival is. And yep. I love Bashman. I love reggae. I write yep. about Afropop. So I love all of these genres. But no, mm. no, that is not the day. I was lucky enough to be a part of a float the last time I was in yep. Carnival with my guys, Eden included, last year. When I stepped out to go to the bathroom, yep. I felt like an alien in my own space. That's a problem. That is a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the thing is, yeah, come, whatever. Guests, do what you want to do. But we need to put the barriers up as a West Indian community. We need to protect our spaces. Why are paraders and people who are part of the show on the Carnival Monday feeling unnerved because the crowd are getting involved the ropes aren't tight yep. enough why is our culture up for grabs and why outside of usain bolt olympics she um shelly ann um and carnival why are we then trivialized and told oh our assertions or opinions aren't valid that is what i saw a lot of on monday from the black british diaspora the black we're going to be very specific mm here okay yeah and i this isn't to start a diaspora mm. war because again i don't want to be that person but i've got a plethora of friends i've got friends from nigeria i've got friends from congo i've got friends from other parts of the caribbean i've got friends in different spaces let me just say that i'm a very well versed friend in terms of like the communities of people i have in my life but one go on eden do you want to say something I was just gonna say, but also popcorn exactly. and some so, Jamaican yeah, have been even, saying it as well. Yeah. So it's it's like it's David not just Lammy, it's not just know? like for example one like, specific it's, group. It's Naomi just Naomi Campbell. Yeah, Na like he's a Jamaican as well. So. Up, like, do you know what I mean? And it's like again, obviously, group think, and not everyone needs to think the same thing. But in terms of our culture, we need to protect our culture, and we need to stop the trivialization. Literally, this Adele incident reminded me of three weeks ago. I got off a bus, okay? Someone shouted to me, Wagwan, okay? A white person, don't do that, okay? Don't try all of that because it's not mm. a costume. It's not a cat. Stop caricaturing blackness in the West Indies and in Jamaica. Don't do that. That insults me. I don't respond to shit like that. I don't respond to you pointing at your, your fucking mm. makeshift... Um, 
are dreadlocks and saying, oh, they're like trying to get cool points. That I don't respond to that shit. I don't respond to it because it offends me and I am mm. angered. So back to my carnival point, Notting Hill Carnival, there's a reason why Notting Hill Carnival is looked at in the West Indian community as the lowest of tiers because it is mixed up and because it's mm. diluted. I know, yes, when it comes to sound systems, that is 100% at the start of our culture in the UK. That was a differentiation because that was a part of the West Indian community in the UK, the aspects that they brought to it. So when other West Indians insult that, I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Sound system, UK, Black British culture, Black Caribbean mm. British culture, don't insult that. But in terms of their assertions that it feels different, I 110% agree because we have been too open. And this is a West Indian thing as well. Like as a white, we are too open and co-sign too much the white gaze. And when other people co-sign our culture, we get too excited and we let them in. And then when we let them in, they change shit or mm. they trivialize shit or they change the optics of how things look. And that is when we feel like we're alien and that's the that's when in 2019 when i go to my own place of celebration and feel like an outsider less under the parameters of the um soca flows you know and you know so adele mm. wearing this is an insult like it is an insult bantu knots are a spiritual hairstyle they are a cultural hairstyle in the black um diaspora you should, if you really did have all those black friends on, and and or did the reading, you know, Adele's travelled the world pretty much with her voice leading the way, you should know that this is an extremely, extremely precious hairstyle and you should not wear it on for, you know, carnival aesthetics. You know, it's just not the right look. You know, it's not the right... It's just not it. Like, it's not. And... You know, people can say this is such a small issue and stuff like that. And to be honest, we should be worrying about more important things. But we need to pay attention to our cultural hubs because they are under attack. You know, even the Famalam conversation, like there's a very, I tweeted this, there's a very peculiar relationship with particularly Jamaica where people love the fun and the entertainment. But as soon as things get serious, oh, you know what, guys, you're chatting too much shit shut up like there's a silencing act and it's like i'm tired mm, of it i'm tired of it don't interact with us at all if you want to dictate on what we speak about well we don't this is our fucking culture this is how our kids don't know patois this is how our kids don't know what carnival is like don't this is so important to me i'm sorry this is so mm. important in terms of not even the adele but the bigger issue because i've wanted to talk about this carnival thing and i did hint at it last year when i finished like going but i've wanted to have this conversation for so long because we need to put the borders up. I'm really sorry, but like it is, mm. it's going to be like a festival of all cultures. Like, you know, in primary school, when you had, you know, bring your own flag or whatever, like those days, it's going to be that in 10 or 20 years. Seriously, like this isn't even an exaggeration. This is how it feels. Mm. This is how it feels. This is why when there was that, um, yeah, that other carnival from um, Afro Nation, whatever they called it. Um, this is why it was like so important because carnival obviously has religious ties to like Catholicism, whatever. But in terms of the modern iteration, like the carnival is so important to West Indian culture um, and we need to protect that. 
we really need to mm. protect that especially from where the the, the origins yeah. of it come from it's our liberation like you guys don't even know about some of the traditions before and after carnival that happen that are on the basis of respecting mm. our ancestors you guys don't know that because you literally just come you call it carny yeah. which is actually i don't respect you even call it that i'm sorry but like you come <laughs> you call it carny all right you know and some black people do this you call it carny and then you come get drunk catch a wine and go home you don't actually know that this is cathartic for us and you don't know that this is like this is a spiritual thing like there's a spiritual sense of unity that we feel yeah. when we are all together and that is why eden got excited about it last year that's why nathaniel got excited about it last year that's why i got excited about it last year that's why our friend alex reeds got excited about it last year because it's so that's why isaac got excited about it because it's so important and that unity that we felt together yeah that that wasn't just fun but go yeah. on but it, yeah it's a spiritual thing isn't it it's, it's definitely a spiritual thing it's something that i think a lot of people don't really understand because to be west indian is often seen as a derivative oh gosh, of yeah. something by a lot of cultures like I've heard and loads of people have said to me like oh you're from the West Indies but where are you actually from like what is your background like where were your ancestors from and all these types of things and our identity is diluted mm. quite a lot of the time so it's almost seemed like we're, we're a people who know where back home is but even back home we're being told actually you people came from Ghana yeah. or you came from this place so you're actually really African or all of these types of things which I think is is fairly unfair and that's and to me like I have no issues with anyone from no. like um, West Africa. Like I like I have no issues whatsoever. I have no intention of disrespecting the culture or anything. But um, I do find that sometimes when there are diaspora wars, and I I have to be honest, it does come from both sides. It does. It does. Um, it does come Hundreds. from. I have seen West Indian people talk about um, Caribbean. Uh, talk about. Um, uh, West African people in a very derogatory type of way I've seen yeah, yeah. and West African people talk <clears throat> about West Indians in a very derogatory type of way and if we're being honest back home in certain parts of the West Indies like West Africans are looked down upon because of colonialism and all of these types of things but you know what's um, funny but there is funny? kind of appreciation of the culture yeah like there is like especially musically and stuff like now musically as well like there is well no not even just that like rastafarianism like yeah yeah yeah, yeah they yeah, believe yeah. that ethiopia is the garden of eden so like <laughs> i so, mean they love the like, motherland you there, know, there are parts the yeah yeah but like i also want to just quickly say like this conversation can we leave conversations like this to the communities that would be affected like bantu knots completely understand why um there are countries that aren't West Indian that would have issues with that or would decide, actually, it's not an issue. I respect that and there's no issue with that whatsoever. But please don't come to me and tell my people that we shouldn't have an issue with something that we have an issue with and that we're ruining the fun. You can laugh at something and find something funny and find it disrespectful at the same yeah. time. That is something that exists. It is okay for that to be a situation. Mm. All of you people come in and saying, oh, the think pieces are coming in, stuff like that, are being very disrespectful. And I think at the same time, we need to understand that there's nuance to most situations um, and people can think something different to you, like have some empathy. Mm. Um, but I think we've kind of drained that point quite a lot, unless you've got something like 
that we haven't said before, Nick, I think we should move on to the next thing. No, I think I echo all your sentiments. I just think it's so important to respect cultures um, and respect the people in the cultures as well. Mm. And put some respect on West Indians because um, you guys silence us a lot. There's a, there, and I don't, we're not playing the mm. victim, but there's a lot of silencing and it's just pissing me off. Like, don't speak for us. Just shut up and let us speak because mm. we, we have the thinkers, you know, um, yeah. and we have the people. But let's move on. Um, mate, that was a draining. <laughs> that was actually draining. We're going to move on yeah. into some data, um, which is super, super cool. Um, as you guys know, Eden is very interested in this um, area. Um, yep. And so am I actually, in terms of looking at it, like this particular one is super interesting. So this one involves Amazon. So we spoke about Spotify earlier, but Amazon um, are in an attempt to uh, help with COVID and like help with bridging gaps in music. They're bringing Twitch. Uh, Twitching is a gaming app and a live streaming app, which a lot of gaming platforms have utilized. But um, yeah, they are using Twitch's live streams um, in Apple's, Apple apple amazon's music app so amazon are bringing twitch live stream to amazon music essentially um this was announced this week they've had amazon music for years at this point but they said um live streams will now be available in the music apple music app and um, with the goal of allowing fans and artists to connect amid a pandemic where in-person contacts have obviously been cancelled um for the moment um so yeah COVID has obviously shut down live events and online platforms. Like Tidal has done it recently as well, like in terms of live stream concerts versus his live stream um, on the Apple Music app as well, as well as Instagram. So yeah, Amazon are combating with these um, different platforms doing that by teaming up with Twitch. Um, TikTok's always helped some platforms too. But um, Twitch, um, Twitch, sorry, has increased um, in terms of musicians and them using it for live concerts, like even independently outside of in collaboration with streaming apps. Uh, it's definitely pivoted into being a super important app during the COVID period in the world of gaming and music as well. We've seen a lot of gamers utilize this for exclusives, like as new games drops. Um, our good friends, um, the Nerd Council as well, have definitely, you know, collaborated with Twitch, um, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, like this Amazon Music uh, is delved, a partnership is delved into music specifically. Don't know if they have any different um, plans for it, but the um, company earlier this year said that they will benefit from Amazon Music um and they will release a partnership i think it's called stream aid which will feature the likes of diplo ryan tedder um charlie puth die antwood and many other acts as well so there's a lot of engagement um twitch apparently grew 56 percent in hours watched in quarter two of 2020 compared to tw uh, quarter one passing the five billion mark due to the increase in online entertainment throughout covid um, by July this year, the music and performance acts category on Twitch had grown oof, 387 year over year um, to 17.6 mm. hours watched in totality. Um, yeah, Twitch has gained exclusive partnerships actually with um, the likes of Logic um, and Linkin Park over the last couple of months too. And Twitch has also signed partnerships with like Rolling Loud and um, Outside Lands, which are two festivals. 
Um, so they're doing incredible this year and have really honed in on the music market and said, we're, we're going to gain from this. And I think even outside of the pandemic, people, are, there are going to be skeptics who still would prefer to do more online activity when it comes to eventing than go to them physically. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this isn't going to be everyone. Like, there's still people like me that would yearn for a live show. And Eden was a very avid live show. Go- Shoppe was too, like live show after live mm-hmm. show. So all of us a very big live show acts uh, preferences, but the way we do it um, will change and we might interact with some of this online activity a little more. Obviously, I, if there's social distancing in person, I'll be there, you know, as long as it's safe um, and like insurance mm. policies and stuff. But um, in terms of this, I would definitely, I mean, I watched Megan The Stallion on Tidal as well. I did a review of it last week, but um, it was good. It was really good, like the staging and everything. So all these kind of, um streaming uh performances they are getting better as the months go on you know and as they find their feet um they are getting a bit better for the audience engagement aspect too but eden i want to get your thoughts on this especially because um as the person most involved with tech who has a podcast dedicated towards it um i want to get your thoughts i'd definitely love to hear what you think so i think what we're witnessing at the moment is a battle a kind of silent war between Spotify, Amazon Music and um, uh, Google. So what we saw earlier this week is that Spotify were releasing, um, they had a deal with Google where if you were a premium listener, um, you could get access to a Google Nest for free, no extra charge or anything. And obviously, if you pay attention to data and everything, you know that the price of data is becoming way more um, valuable to companies as people are staying indoors and they're still buying things and being consumers and all these types of things um, to prepare companies for the new world. But also in reaction to that, Amazon were giving away um, Echo Dots for 99p if you were subscribed to Amazon Music um, in reaction to that. Also, if, you, if you're if you a podcaster, you would have received an email uh, maybe through Pod News, which is this place that kind of lets you know what's going on in the podcast industry and everything. Um, to say that Amazon is starting a new podcast service. Um, so you can sign up to that and be one of the first podcasts on there and just make sure that you're, you kind of push people over to Amazon. Um, I guess it's called Amazon podcasting or something along those lines. Um, but there is a, there is something going on in the kind of um, podcasting and data space at the moment. There is a war that's going on between these companies to get more people to sign up to these services because going back to the Joe Budden point, podcasting is incredibly lucrative like as joe said from the very first episode they made a profit they exceeded expectations by the thousands of percentages and um i think companies are cutting on to the idea that podcasting is a very low cost medium and as a result um they need to get into these spaces where um they're getting creators to come onto their platform and um use their services so when it comes to things like um, this new live streaming option on Amazon, it makes a lot of sense that they got there before Spotify. Spotify are diving into the video um, world at the moment. They're trying to, the first podcast I've seen that can do it is the Joe Rogan podcast, which allows um, video on the app for the first time I've yeah. seen that. Um, and you can leave the app and still listen to the podcast, which is really cool. And obviously that's kind of a challenge to Google and YouTube music and all of these types of things, because if you don't have YouTube Red, I think it's called, or the YouTube membership thing, then you still have to be within YouTube to use the app and listen to the things that are playing. 
Um, whereas with Spotify, you can watch the video, you can leave and you can come back and whatever. And video, podcasting, all of these mediums are becoming increasingly important as people are staying home and kind of investing in um, like home technology and all of these types of things. So data is incredibly important and signing up to these platforms is going to become way more important to the likes of the Goliaths. Um, so I'm very, very, very intrigued to see what people are going to do um, if they're going to use this service because the only people I've seen so far um, that I recognize using Amazon's new feature is like Potter Paper from the UK. He was a UK rapper just recently released from prison, um, released a project recently. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. And also, um, who was the other? Oh, Giovanni. So Giovanni was another person who is going to be trying out for the UK for the first time. So Amazon are definitely investing in this a lot they're trying to get as many people to sign up to twitch as possible mm. i did know from when timmy used it for the first time that um they had a few issues oh timmy from um the nerd council by yeah. the way um they had a few issues with um using amazon uh, not amazon using twitch and the new live streaming feature so there may be a few bugs they need to work out but data is becoming increasingly important having our attention is becoming increasingly important because I think what people are realizing is people aren't spending as much. So they need to make money in completely new ways through adverts and all of the above, but it needs to be tailored adverts, which kind of say, Oh, you don't have this. Like we've realized you've been on this website or you've been, um, they use cookies to track what you've been looking at on the internet recently to kind of figure out what you're buying. Or if you've got an echo dot in the room or a Google nest and you say something about, Oh, um, I need some new slippers. Bam! You log on the internet, you see like the new slippers appear. I'm probably going to see it when I log on <laughs> onto like YouTube or something yeah. in a minute anyway. But like you'll see some slippers or something advertised. Like data is increasingly becoming important to all industries, music industries specifically. Because um, like you know, with Spotify, they look at what you like, what you listen to, and they suggest the next song to you. Um, so yeah, I think it's quite interesting. I'm intrigued in the whole journey and the battle between these industries, but it also it's a good thing for us as podcasters. Like I know we don't talk about us, we talk about how it affects the outer world, but as podcasters, it means there's more drive to invest in podcasting in adverts. People are going to be putting more adverts across on podcasts as well. And um, we'll definitely see an increase in the amount of people who listen sure. to podcasts as well as Spotify suggests certain podcasts to different audiences. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, man. But at the same time, I'm a bit like, I need to be careful of what I have in my room. So I do have the um, Google Nest kind of scheduled to come to me, but I haven't actually given it my address yet because I'm like, uh, I already have an Echo like downstairs and we don't plug it in because... I don't want Amazon to know what I'm talking about mm. in my house, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's something I'm thinking about. What about you, Nick? What do you think? It's, it's super, it's super interesting. I think that, um, you know, live concerts have become increasingly important. And I remember before we were even in a pandemic, I said, uh, I think in October or November, I said, you know what Summer Walker would benefit from because she's someone who suffers with social anxiety, you know, like in, like fans touching her and interacting with her and stuff. And I was like, do you know what? She would benefit really well with a virtual tour. Like I really believe that it's on the horizon. And I wrote about um, post posthumanist tours last year um, in terms of Whitney Houston and stuff like that, slightly different and unrelated, but similar in, in ways to technology and evolution. And I think 
this pandemic for a lot of reasons has accelerated so much um of what investors mm. tech companies etc had in mind for 2030 it's accelerated all of that tenfold like amazon for example had a whole shop concept which they tested last year which would involve not even having to get your wallet out just grabbing and going essentially and all the data would do the work and take the money out it would leave your money before bef- leave your account before you even meet, got to the car like you know to put your stuff in um so this technology was bound to enter the music industry but i think a pandemic was ironically the perfect circumstance for us to need to rely on it as a source of entertainment um do i think every single thing can work as a live versus in real life experience no because at the same time i did have Mm. thoughts about the 20s being uh, a reawakening um of community um i did see the 20s as genuinely genuinely being that um as in we were going to go back to like in real life things more so um just spending more time with friends like talking outside versus on like uh group chats and stuff like our group chat has a thing called like roti in the park or like roti and we just go and sit down and eat roti Mm. like just things like that you know like older school things like meeting up in person and just chatting um not all of us on our phones and stuff but yeah it's an back to the point i think it is super interesting um that this has happened but the ideal circumstances happened with technology um for this to work and i think amazon were they're smart you know twitch is uh, it was a part of gunner the rapper's rollout um he did a live session on there which was dope i think they've got in at the right time it's it's meeting of the minds to firmly established brands in their respective areas um amazon if anyone follows me, they know that I've been a fan of Amazon's marketing and approach. They are really doing some incredible stuff on the platform. Um, would I transition to a full streaming? I don't I don't think so, like, in terms of now. But I would love to work with them, like, to, to be honest, because they just have incredible... Um, engagement tools they are engaging us in big ways and i think twitch is only going to help that and um get them a new niche you know uh whether that niche grows into a complete bona fide community which can kind of give them the figures that they want for their targets is another thing but they had to do this they had to jump aboard you know they had to jump aboard the ship and I think they might just get there before Spotify have ironed out everything else because Tidal, they live in. They've been doing live events, okay? They've been streaming Made in America last year, the year before that. They've been doing this. So they're, they're very equipped to make this happen on demand. Um, Spotify, not so much. Apple, very well done to them. They did, they're doing quite well. They did the live radio. They had that established with Beats. And, you know, the visual parts have proven themselves to be success via Versus. Um, So Amazon, you had to jump aboard. You really had to because uh, you were being boxed into a corner, essentially. Google has YouTube, obviously, to help those capabilities. Um, You're right. It is really a war. It's already... We're really in a war right now with all the platforms. So mad. It's crazy. You had to... I, I like competitive... I like competitive nature. I like more markets in the which is why actually jump into film 
Disney's whole colonialism of the film market right now. They own pretty much everything um, or near near, near, near mm-hmm. as much to everything as possible. Um, I like competition. Like, I love competition. I love to see different people in the market and what, what they can do to kind of um, excel themselves and their brand and what they're trying to do. Audio Mac even has live stream capabilities right now. There's live stream... Co- they made that work real quick. So the thing is... Mm-hmm. I like competition because it makes people step up and get innovative and creative in the right circumstances. So I I love this. I, I really want to see what happens and how the platforms respond to one another being in the market. Because this is similar to the streaming platforms, isn't it? Because um, the visual streaming mm. platforms, this is, this is similar to Netflix competing with Amazon, competing with Disney, competing with this. Like, it, it's, it's good. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Let's see what you guys can get. Let's see what you the deals you can get with these different shows um that have been hallmarks in our in our kind of childhood. What let's see what new shows you can create to try and grab grab audiences. Mm. Um yeah, let's do it, man. Democratization of the market, man. I really wanna I really wanna see lo- loads more streaming platforms like jump up to Deezer. Deezer exists. Let's let's do some live stream. They're very big in the French market, the De- Deezer is. Um so let's see what you're doing. Um yeah i'm actually yeah amazon man i'm i'm liking the moves i'm liking the moves you know um i'm i'm impressed i'm impressed and, and just one thing one thing we can't forget is that these companies only know that it works because of the likes of versus and i think you, you 100 so yeah. massive congratulations to swiss beats and timberland for actually putting that together and instagram for kind of like realizing this is a massive thing and also congratulations to brandy and, Ver- and monica because they were the first kind of versus battles their engagement tops the vmas or, um, watches, <laughs> come so. on like we mm. own this shit yeah. this is what i'm telling you like back to our conversation back with joe budden we run this shit like we we run entertainment yeah we've been running entertainment in yep. every platform you, black people got creative no signal over here did their live shit um in terms of versus they did their shit in the states for using instagram djs mm. black djs made the first iteration of instagram dj popping you know like we yep. do this and it's simple for us mm-hmm. it's not even a, a creative thing it's simple like we know the market we know what the streets want you know um, no signal knew that there was a gap of homegrown radio that was authentic and didn't feel corporate, and they filled that gap. You know, that's it. That's it. Yep. And they made it like run throughout quarantine. It's not hard. You know, I mean, it is hard. Obviously, they they worked really hard, but it's not hard for us to think of these things. You know, the, we we just it yep. comes to us like you know. I don't even know, like juice to a cup. It comes to us like that. Like it's so quick. Um, so yes, Eden, thank you for shouting that out. Um, versus shout out to them on what they're doing. My thing with versus, just a quick segue, is I don't want them to get too corporate. And that's the challenge with what what happens yeah. sometimes. We sometimes give away what made our platform so distinctive quickly and that is the authentic touch right so even there was some complaints about not complaints just some conversations around the location of versus changing from authentic houses with you know a few technical difficulties and all this kind of stuff to being in a corporate feel quite chemical room you know like branding the siroc right there like it just felt a bit 
oh, okay, we switched up, which, you know, the interaction was still there because Brandy and Monica are going to bring the views. But in terms of they need to be careful in terms of how they next evolve. And I just don't want it to get too corporate feeling. One thing about No Signal, which I'll highlight, is that they have still, while evolving and changing the locations, have still felt very DIY because they're in that stage, right? And even if um, a branding opportunity comes about, I mean, I've seen them in Adidas, bloody hell, like these guys are killing it. Like, come on, Mm. billboards, all sorts. But if a branding opportunity, which elevates No Signal, the platform, not the presenters, if if it actually elevates the platform and like allows them to be in different settings and stuff, I just want them to keep the DIY feel. And that is what both No Signal and Recess, yep. which is connected to it, shout out Jojo, um, that's what they've kept. Even um, Recess feels quite DIY still in its iteration of becoming a huge successful night event in London. So yes, Eden, we make this shit. We run this shit. But yep. yeah, we just got to keep True. it authentic. We knew we, been, we knew this. This. Is a, this is from the age of time from we were making songs in on the fields, mate. Like we run this yep. shit. <laughs> like you just, you guys, you other people can't compete. Don't compete where you can't compare. That's what it is. Don't compete where you can't compare. Yeah. That's it. And just before, just before we move on to the next point, because I know we've, I think we've run over two hours, but we'll just continue anyway. Um, Joe Biden is going to Amazon. I'm He's def- there's definitely now. another streaming Joe Biden is going there's, to because yeah, um... one thing that Joe kept saying was the fact that um, Spotify don't even have hardware and what streaming company has hardware on a mainstream scale venturing into podcasting could do with a big podcast voice to yeah. help boost their audience and kind of listeners Joe Biden is going to, to Amazon I'm making that prediction from now um, but we'll see what's happening but yeah, let's move on because Would I people think sign we've got up, one though, more topic. Bit, I might mess up their listening. I don't know. Anyway, we will we'll get to that bridge when he leaves, which is in a couple weeks, and we'll we'll hit. There's mm-hmm. an announcement. There's an announcement. So anyway, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited business wise to see what that is. Um, obviously, you know, mm. Joe, you know, balance ticket here. Well, not balance ticket, but there's two sides. But anyway, we'll move on. We, this is a. This is a. This is an ongoing story. It's been going on for years. Um, it's really hyped up this year because of um, the legal things that have happened, like the acceleration in the legal arena. So this involves Britney Spears and she's asked for her conservatorship case to be open to the public, um, which is very interesting because it's all been under wraps for a while. Um, so this happened on Wednesday and it was a filing to the Los Angeles Superior Court. Um, Brittany's attorney uh, actually filed the motion opposing a request by her father, um, Jamie Spears, uh, who's obviously has control of her funds, control of her career, pretty much. Uh, he's a conservator of her career right now um, to keep. So obviously to keep her conservatorship case sealed. Um, so there was a motion to obviously combat that and say, no, it's public. So that's what happened on Wednesday. Her lawyer was like, we want to make this public. We don't want it to be sealed. We want the world to know. So um, 
Far from being a conspiracy theory or a joke, as James reportedly told the media in large part, this scrutiny is a reasonable and even predictable result of James's aggressive use of the sealing procedure over the years to minimise the amount of meaningful information made available to the public, wrote the lawyer, um, the attorney, which is Samuel D. Ingham III. Um, he wrote it in LA Times reported on this. Um, the motion asks the court to open the case uh, and it's because the public scrutiny has been too wild as well. One of the reasons is because the public are making too much false assertions, the media are picking up too much false information and um, he wants everything on the record and Britney as well to be kind of clear. This is what my father's doing, this is how he's silencing me as well. Um, the lawyer who's representing Britney continued to say the public has a legitimate interest in the understanding of how the court system operates um, at this point in her life. So Britney, when she is trying to regain some measure of personal autonomy, Britney welcomes and appreciates the informed supports of her many fans, although the ceiling uh, motion is supposedly for her protection. Um, Britney herself is opposed to this effort by her father to keep her legal struggle hidden away in the closet as a family secret so jamie spears has been um britney's co-conservator since 2008 um when he's when she suffered the breakdowns and the cutting of hair all sorts um and then he became the sole conservator in 2019 um, after former attorney Andrew Wallet resigned from his co-role in this uh, case. Uh, and the Free Britney movement has been pretty much a hashtag for years at this point, like years since hashtags kind of began. Um, it's been amongst one of the most consistent hashtags. I've seen it for years myself. Um, Brittany um, strongly believes that it's consistent not only with her personal best interests but also with the good public policy. Generally that the decision to appoint a new conservator of her estate um, be made in an open and transparent manner as possible. So she is seeking to go away from her father and she wants this to all to be known. I think there was a report last week that Jamie Lynn wants, which is Brittany's younger sister, Zoe 101 for Nickelodeon fans, um she wants to help control her finances um as a part of a new agreement as well so um the court has granted at, at present jamie spears to be paid around 130 thousand usd uh annually by his daughter's estate for his role as a conservator and according to court documents obtained by et the largest expense of Britney's estate in 2018 was her legal and conservative fees, which totaled 1.1 million for that year. So essentially her father got over 1.2 million. Um, yeah, but being the conservator in that role. But in a, but in a nutshell, what, what's happening is obviously the fact that Britney's now saying that she agrees or like is backing the free bit britney movement that's kind of like the main story isn't yeah it? so like she like, wants the information to be public and she wants in intentionally wants to be bound away from her father like she wants to be untied yeah. from this 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 chokehold she kind of like that yep. she's been kind of 
held at. I mean, if we look at just the pure finances alone, the fact that her father is taking away from her 1.1 million over one year is crazy. Like that is crazy. Yep. That's crazy. It is. Um, and it's, it's, you wonder why, because the family are blessed, you know, with Britney's career and Jamie Lynn's career. Um, it's greed. You know, they're, they're, you know, obviously family's going to look after family as long as the things politically are all cool. Um, but it's, it's, yeah. it's mad. It's mad. So, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts about this? Um, I'm glad we've, we're being let in hopefully to this case. Um, and hopefully it goes through. Those, those are kind of my first initial thoughts on this. But but what what do you think on this whole case? I am concerned. Um, I've seen some videos of Britney Spears where she doesn't look well. Um, she she looks like she's quite distressed. And um, there was a video she released recently where I had to ask, like, is she is she okay? Like, and not in the element of what the media usually pedal about, you know, that breakdown she had where she like shaved her hair and like everyone was like, leave Britney alone and all these types of things. But is she genuinely okay? Because I feel like she is very much trapped in her situation. And um, there have been some kind of videos where it's been hinted at the fact that she's kind of talking against her will and um, releasing videos against her will and all these types of things. So the fact that it's going to become public now, I think it's one of those musical historical events that we'll remember. Um, like, for example, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, but um, when Michael Jackson came out and said, this is like the last tour, that's something that people remember. It's going to be one of those things they attach to Britney Spears' career. Um, and thinking of it on a human level, I just think it's an opportunity for her to really live her life. Because I feel like from the descriptions and kind of like the the conspiracies, because we have to call it conspiracies at the moment, yeah. Um, from yeah. the Free Britney movement, a lot of it is that she has no autonomy over her own earnings and um, the decisions she makes. But it's not the first time I've heard of that. Like the idea that women in music, um, the ones that get to a certain point, they don't know how to. Um, kind of break away from labels that want to abuse them like for example TLC and um even if we think about the conversation that um Trevor um oh my head uh what's his name again uh is he a presenter yeah Trevor yeah. Noah no 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 Trevor Nelson yeah. Trevor Nelson no. Trevor Nelson yeah right like yeah. We, yes yeah, yes yes if we yeah, think okay, about well. him for example when we went to that event I'm gonna say the wrong name I'm gonna say we run this again but I know it's not that um but we went to an event where he was talking about Janet Jackson and she was surprised at the fact you could pay by credit card. That is a red flag to me. That is a massive red flag. And it tells me a lot about the industry and how um, women, when they get to a certain level and have money in a certain area, especially the ones who grew up quite young as well. Um, it's always like they're never in control of their finances. Um, and I worry for Britney Spears. Um and I do, I do hope there is a resolution that allows her to one day speak on the horrors that she's faced um, financially and otherwise. But other than that, it's a very exciting um, part of the story to the end of this conservative conservatorship, hopefully. Um, but we'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I wish her the best spirits like this. Definitely. I've had this view for, for a while. Um I don't see Britney Spears anymore in terms of her eyes. Like this is from when she was doing the X Factor. Um, I just don't see her anymore. Mm. I just don't see it. And 
that I, her soul like it's just I, I i feel really sad there there will be a documentary one day and i just hope that we get it's not even to i don't even want to treat it like that like we need the scoop or whatever but i just i really want to talk to her i just want to understand like what mm. happened like just for the just for the just for her like humanity like for us to really get what happened because it just feels like she hasn't been here for a while and i feel mm. like her dad and her family are to do with this not jamie lynn per se i don't think but yeah it's all it's all really murky like it's really mm. murky with her and if you look at her old music videos like when she was britney britney like pops well she still is a huge pop force but you know what i mean her her active career um you just see a different it's a completely different person and yeah. obviously we all grow obviously like let's not be dumb we all grow but look at her eyes is what i would say to people just look at the eyes and then look at the x factor and when she was judging on there there was it looked like a transition there like to, mm. to something and then now it just i could i could honestly get really emotional about this topic because it, with her and michael jackson i just feel like they didn't really have a young adulthood yeah and like they didn't have they did it's just really sad it really is mm. and the entertainment business really scares me um it yep. does and i've always said this like i can never do the hollywood shit because that like it, it, i hate to get too religious but it just feels very demonic satanic yeah yep. demonic satanic dark you know even thinking about whitney's dark whitney's career mm. dark you know yeah. even bobby brown bobby brown will humanize dark you know, it's just all very that that in the industries, and I, I say this as a country, I write about music, but like the industry, industry in certain areas of the world, I just can't do it because yeah. yo, like it's theft, it's it's aloneness, it's abandonment, it's what's it worth that's all i'd ask what's it worth you know mm. even looking at amy winehouse and old interviews and what she thought about the industry. prince you know all of the political lessons that he taught us before he left the world um you just have to wonder this is it's not it's not great it's not looking great and i hope she wins this case and then can just i hope jamie helps her out i hope the people who genuinely know britney and know what she was and know what she's lost and know her struggles and battles can help her get out of this situation because her dad does not seem like the nicest of people at all who have her, his daughter, his daughter's best interests at heart. That is what mm. hurts the most. You know, you've seen her go through a public breakdown in 2008 and you want to control, like, come on, come on. Like, that is some therapy and healing, not... I'm going to control your budget and concert, be your conservative for like how many years, like decades at this point. Like, I don't know, man, it's dark. It's yeah. Dark. And to, to finish on that note, what I will say is a quote from Wiley said it, but I believe Wiley got it from Tupac. So basically he says, I left the roadside to go legal. When I went legal, there were more crooks in there than the roadside. And I think that's a very important thing to know that a lot of people we see kind of the corporate world as the legit world but really and truly there are a lot of demons and crooks that operate in that area as well so it's scary it's very very scary and like nick said i've always said music industry is not for me and i know that for now like as the person <laughs> i am 
<laughs> I know that in order to be successful in that area, I would have to do some very horrible things and it's not for me. So yeah, yeah man. Um, I think what we're going to do, because I don't want to like make the episode too long, but I'm going to say I've really enjoyed this conversation today. Um, yeah. And it's been amazing, man. Like, honestly, it's been a, it feels like the life is coming back. I know we're quite authentic people just to let people know. So if we're not feeling a certain type of way, we're not going to come to the podcast and pretend that we're really like feeling happy or whatever. Like last week's recording for me, I was in a bit of a funk um, just because of like some personal stuff that was going on. And I feel like that kind of showed on the podcast and I felt kind of like really down and stuff like that. Mm. Um, But I think it's important that you just come as you are. And I feel like we've both like come to this podcast just being as casual and open as we can be. And that's amazing. Yeah, 100%. So yeah. Yeah, shout out out everyone, uh, both of us this week. And Shopee's resting so we, we yeah. want him to be resting so I'm happy and hoping he's resting and having a great week um, and he'll come back refreshed next week hopefully yeah I'm just gonna say Shopee, we miss you but also at the same time I appreciate the fact you're taking a break and how hard you work doing all of the amazing things you do so yeah and we look forward to speaking to you next week obviously we'll speak to you before then but obviously <laughs> on the podcast yeah. next week we look forward to speaking to you um, but yeah, we're going to close out there. So just to let you guys know, we are done like the stands. We are the most unfiltered music podcast in the podcast waves at the moment. Um, and we featured on so many different platforms. Um, well, news outlets in the likes of Complex. Um, we've been on, well, we've been name checked on Noisy. Um, so many different places. And we're so grateful for all the opportunities. But we put in the work, we tell the truth and we are the podcast that talks about everything to do with music and culture. So yeah. thank you guys for listening. My name is Eads McKenzie and we've also got Nicholas Tyrell. We've also got Shopee Showerton and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care. Cool. Peace. Bye.